Um, right, so welcome to episode 95 of CTT Podcast, where we talk about all things Web3, and this week we're going to focus on the future prevailing narrative of Hive. Uh, the community on Hive has a number of different things that it likes and that it's working on, um, and there's probably five or six major prevailing narratives, and the question is, should we choose one of those? Uh, what is it exactly? Um, so we've got Lord Butterfly on the call this week to discuss this. He, he put out some passionate threads and some passionate tweets earlier in the week. Um, that certainly got my attention. So uh, he's kindly come on the show to to discuss and go into further details about what, what he thinks. Um, if anyone in the room wants to jump in, please just request and I'll put you in so you can have your say. And um, yeah, there's a Leo thread and a Dbuzz thread out in the three speak discord where you can get rewarded for taking part in the conversation um the more that you thread the more that you buzz the more votes you're going to get um and the more we can reward you for taking part in the show live during the show okay so let's jump into it um Lord, well let's just say hello to dan dan how you doing yo doing well thank you good good Hope everyone is fine. You see, a Nomad Souls just joined us as well. Eric, you there? He's still muted. Let's give him a second. I mean, who comes on a show and then just doesn't talk, eh? <laughs> hey, sorry. Yes, I, there he is. I was having issues with the mute button, but I'm here. Thanks for having <laughs> me, guys. <laughs> it's good to hear you, man. Hope you're doing well. And oh. then we've got Mr. Lord Butterfly, who... Has come in, the, come in the chat this week. I don't know if you want to start off with one of your tweets and go through it, maybe. I mean, sure, sure. I can touch upon what I what I covered in the post, the tweets as well. Sure. So, I mean, basically, when when I write these posts, uh, I know people have different responses to them. Um, you certainly get a some reaction. Some might even call them fud. <laughs> I try to call it active encouragement, trying to get people interested in the topic, discuss it. You know, there there is the level of emotional manipulation there <laughs> that exists, but I think I, I made it clear that that's on purpose and it's obvious. So I mean, you you mentioned there that there there are many narratives, there are many ways we we can present Hive outwards, and I would agree. I, I don't actually think we have to choose a single one. Um, there are different layers to this. I think you called it called Hive the the human rights blockchain some might call it the i don't know the centralized governance chain or community owned chain content reward chain whatever all all of that works mm -hmm. what i tried to talk about when it came to the post itself the rebranding of hive i was specifically you know talking about how we present ourselves when it comes to the wider crypto market so if you go with let's say the human rights chain there really isn't a market niche for something like that. So you don't have a place where you can present it, where you can get investors looking at it. Investors are looking at specific market niches. And one of those niches is the smart contract platforms, the smart contract blockchains that have smart contracts enabled. So if we're going to do that, if we're going to try and focus on one of the, these niches in the, the crypto market, we need certain features on Hive. We have stuff that you know is pretty competitive with other blockchains. We have free transactions. We have two-second transaction times. 
um, really high TPS. And once you add smart contracts to that, you can target this specific niche and present what you're doing to the investors that are looking for new projects that are entering that specific market. So I was basically proposing that. Uh, I know you guys are working on VSC. You're going to talk about it probably a bit more today. Uh, Voltec is doing a Q&A in a couple of days as well. I'll be there to, to listen in. I want to learn more. And if this smart contract platforms that supposedly be decentralized passes the scrutiny of the community, of the developers that are knowledgeable about this stuff, then we can drive it into the reality of what Hive is. Firstly, when it comes to the Hiveians, um, develop the awareness about it, make it the, the reality of what Hive is. Just like HBD is the reality of Hive, HP is the reality of Hive, voting, uh, witnesses, governance, these simple things. We need to do that for VSC if indeed VSC is the, the solution for smart contracts on Hive. And from there, when you have a unified front, the community behind it, the witnesses, the, the whales, the investors, everybody, then you can go and target this part of the market that some have had quite a bit of success, some that you could call our competitors, some that you might hold in higher or lesser regards, but it, it give, makes us viable to approach the, the investors that some would say are lacking on high right now. Um, so I agree that smart contracts right now um, and in the future are going to be very important. But we also have to take a step back and look at what we've accomplished. Right? We've accomplished the ability to have immutable, long-form text storage. Now, you might say that's trendy or not. It's absolutely needed. It's unique, and we're the only ones that do it. Now, it's the hottest topic right now, freedom of speech. That's what everyone's talking about in terms of Rumble and X and Elon being savior and all of that. And I refer to that as an open cage, right? Inviting people into an unlocked cage. They think they're free until the cage can be closed and locked. The problem is awareness and education. A lot of these people who think they're actually getting freedom of speech are not. So there's a big, just a lot of noise where Hive offers an absolute solution that's concrete that real hardcore players are going to want to get involved in. We've also got a mere world asset or what you call HPD, the ability to back anything we deem as a community the most stable. Right now it's the dollar. It's not backed. You can't be seized. You don't need a middleman. There's no KYC. There is a huge demand for dollars in the world. There's a huge demand for feeless transactions with instant confirmations amongst merchants so they don't have to trust. Um, they know that mm, it confirmed the money's in my account. And there's a ever-growing demand of being able to have your dignity and not have to KYC and hold your money in a stable place. So if you look at what we have as a toolkit, the freedom of speech, the ability to preserve your dignity in a stable manner, store your value where it can't be seized, those tools and those parameters can be filled. Uh, they're just insane how powerful they really are. And now we can build on another layer, smart contracts, add a few tweaks on the base layer to make the layer two smart contracts more attractive. Maybe start, you know, the big, if you really want to talk about temp, because that's temporary, I'm talking long-term, what HBD and the ability to store long-form text, 
is absolutely going to be valuable. And if we can maintain censorship resistance there, or gold, if you're talking about short-term speculation, and I agree, why not try to get everything on the table? We shouldn't leave anything on the table at all. Um, the ability to create community tokens and all these things are going to be very trendy and very hot. And, you know, we should be looking at multi-sig, getting that down, the ability to trust large amounts of dollars being stored and not being, you know, hacked. We've seen these hacks left and right. Um, if we can get that down, then we can offer a, a superior experience. VSC is a feeless smart contract layer backed by HBD, where you can, with a few tweaks on the base layer, right? It's like you want to, you don't want layer one smart contract, but you don't want to be like, you know, you can't be too polarizing. You can't be like, oh, well, I'm not going to add anything. It's like, well, if you can add just a few very, very basic parameters that enable smart contracts on layer two to work easier, then you can have much more powerful and basically do everything on Ethereum on a layer two on Hive. And all this is feasible. You don't need billions of dollars to do it. And we can do it as a community. So appreciate what we've done. Now target the solution of what is needed. Um, the two major things right now in the immediate term, I would say, is a DEX. That's absolutely number one. We need a way to get in and out of Hive to Bitcoin in a trustless way without needing a centralized exchange. That is our biggest attack vector. We've said that for a while now. It's in the works. Um, to the best of our knowledge, it's the best industry's best. Um, it's actually going to be a trustless way to do it. And from there, I think community tokens, I mean, we, we're a hop, skip, or hop, jump, skip, and away from having the ability to create powerful community tokens where you can have incentivized infrastructure, things that um, these corporations, as I think you might have called them, I like that, they're basically corporations, can't do or aren't, aren't even thinking about um, just slapping a token on a centralized NASDAQ blockchain isn't a community token, but the ability to earn social rewards for providing infrastructure and all sorts of value for value models built in within these things, that is what's going to catch this, I guess, if you're looking at the next bull run. Um, that's the best thing we should focus on in the short term, in my opinion. Yeah, appreciate that there, Dan. I think, yeah, I mean, listening to your narratives there, I, I'm very much behind those as well. Um, the other thing that I'd want to touch on is the capabilities of HPD that we've obviously talked at length, especially with people like Taskmaster on, uh, and the fact it can be used for a collateralization loans market. Um, the problem with that is that it's not right now, and it's probably going to be in the next cycle, um, may maybe a bit sooner, but it's, it's not really something we can provide now. <clears throat> I think we are, we are on the brink of having tokenized communities here. Um, Nathan Sen has already created his first token on Honeycomb um, as a community token for the schools that he's onboarding, where every school student has to have an account in the Philippines. And I feel like, well, we're not, it's not next week, but we're not far away from the Solana community. There's work being done towards that. Um, we're trying to get the Speak Network testnet out of the way first, which should be, should be next week. The bulk of the work should be done by then. And then we can start focusing on how do you log in with a Solana account? How does it tie to the off-chain system so that it can post? Um, how can that then be rewarded using Honeycomb with its own token? And 
we have tokens on Honeycomb. We have NFTs on Honeycomb. So it's not that much work to make it so that you can have a token that gets distributed for social activity. And some of the things that we're doing are the more social you are on these platforms, the more you comment, the more you post, the more you share, the more you log in, you earn, you accumulate points. And the points will be stored on decentralized layers with various node operators. And then those points can allow you to receive some of the inflation of the token of the social tokens. Um, those points can allow you to receive some of the upvote from the supporters of the community. So the, the supporters could do a follow or a delegation to you based on how social you are. And then, of course, at the same time, the, the incentivized stakeholder distribution or the proof of brain system can be used to distribute rewards to you like we do on Hive, where we upvote content. So there's some really cool ways that people can get involved in earning these tokens. Um, and then we can also drop them to various different communities. We can drop them to existing blockchain communities. Dan and I have always said that we want to exclude the founders and exclude the ICO stakes or the VC stakes um, because we want to give these communities true sovereignty. Um, maybe, the, maybe the rest of the community disagrees with that and there's other ways we can do it, but we certainly want to look into dropping tokens to communities, existing communities that don't have any involvement with the ICOs and don't have any involvement with the VCs and the founders in the same. So it's like what we did with Hive when we moved from Steam. Um, so that that is coming very soon. In the next three to six months, we should have at least the first one of those out. We want to build the first one using Solana and probably Dan and I will build one for, for what we do. And then we want to build it so it can scale, probably end up using VSC to do the scaling side of it so that anyone can set up their own community uh, with its own token. So we've been doing a lot of work there, and I think that's one of the narratives that we should be looking at that's coming up in the near future that people can speculate on and enjoy and everything like that and then see results on fairly quickly. Um, so that's my thoughts. Um, let's, uh, I'm just going to move along the line here. So we've got Eric's got his hand up, Lord Butterfly, and Bitcoin, Bitcoin man. So let's go to Eric first. Yeah, so <clears throat> here's... Okay, so... We are talking narratives, and I am going to be completely honest. I have been to probably a hundred spaces in the last two months uh, speaking. I have attended probably like 400. I have often, oftenly been called a schizophrenic, conspiranoic person because I pretty much hold the same values and the same vision that uh, you, Matt, and Dan have regarding preparing for the eventual but imminent um, takeover of mainstream social media censorship and the eventual revolution, the digital revolution and monetary revolution that we're going to experience uh, in the next decade or maybe two decades. But to be completely honest, uh, I have seen that Hive covers a need that Bitcoin already kind of covers. Probably the, the only two really decentralized platforms, well, blockchains are Bitcoin and Hive. And at the same time, all of the people that would care about the narrative of Hive as a censorship proof, um, non-censorship, etc., etc., blockchain, all of these people that could care, they are already married to a blockchain. And all of the people that are in Web3 for the past two, three years, they don't really care about what Hive has to offer in this narrative, the narrative where you provide freedom on pretty much every single front. And uh, 
of these people in Web3, I, I, I start speaking and, and I start pushing that narrative, the hype narrative. And they're like, dude, I don't really care. Uh, I'm just here to flip uh, JPEGs or I'm just here to, to find the next 100x. So speaking about narrative, I would like to toss the idea of, yes, we do have a solution for all of these uh, anti-freedom narratives but at the same time i don't think it's needed and matt you mentioned it a couple of minutes ago i don't think it's going to be this cycle i don't think it's going to be the, the next one i think it's going to be to take at least 10 more years for the need uh of the solutions that hive has to be relevant so in the meantime we should definitely find an different narrative to write on uh, if we really want to remain relevant. And the other one, the other point is that I think we should definitely stop uh, making references to the legacy chain, to the to how strong Hive is because we fought as a community against a hostile takeover, etc. Yes, it is an amazing narrative. But on the other hand, all of the people in the space right now, and Lord Butterfly is not going to let me lie about this, all the people who's, who are active in the space right now, building and trying to make a brand, to, to build a brand, etc., they have not been here for more than two, three years. And one of the mindsets all of these people have, that, that they are still not married to a blockchain, is that any blockchain that is been here for more than two three years and hasn't exploded which i would believe it's the case of hive we haven't really exploded yet uh, they are not a worthy blockchain uh to to take a look into so instead of uh trying to say hey we are we were first team and now we are hive so we've been in the space for seven years i think we should cut ties with uh, with all of this narrative of, of Steam, and then just say, hey, we have been here since 2020. We have not experienced a bull run yet, and we are a new blockchain, so to speak. So that's that's my initial take on all of this. Let me, what, um, what would you what would you I just want to ask Eric, what would you say is the narrative that we should follow specifically in your in your thoughts? Honestly, I don't really know. But here's two use cases that you're more than familiar with. Frentech uh, made Coinbase, a bullshit blockchain, explode. And Stars Arena made a forgotten blockchain, Avalanche, just, just re resurfaced. Just one app that went bananas made a, a, a whole blockchain be relevant again. So I don't really know what the narrative should be, but... I am not so sure that we should write the, the Hive narrative yet. We are too early. We are anachronic. We, we are just not needed right now with the solutions that we have. I mean, I'm not undermining the, the, the solutions because I understand them. I know how important they are. But I just don't think that Web3 as a 15-year-old space is ready to accept that truth. That that hive is needed. Uh, um, let me. Um, I just wanted to comment on one thing Eric said about um, Bitcoin and Hive doing the same thing. Um, 
The problem with Bitcoin is there's no stable way in a decentralized way. There's no, you know, you can't build a stable coin on Bitcoin. And that's really what most of the world needs is a way to store value that can't be seized. That's pegged to at least a dollar right now, which is HBD. Another thing that you can't do on um, Bitcoin, um, Matt says it often, is you have to pay for free speech. Um, pretty hefty. You can't store long form text in a practical way on Bitcoin. You can store images, you can store, you know, small bits of data, but it's, it's very expensive and it just isn't, it's more of a SOS. It's, it, I agree. It can be used if like you need to send a message to the world, but if you're talking about actually building a freedom of speech where you can communicate in a relevant way, where we're talking about the rest of the world where they don't pay 50 to $100 to do it every message. Um, Hive absolutely offers that in a different way than Bitcoin. And I'm very practical. I understand it's you want we don't have centralized funding, so why not try to capitalize in any sort of way we can? I'm all about marketing plans, trying to hop on trendy things and all this with that, as, as long as we don't compromise our main mission. Um, but there's a lot of us here who are, you know, we're really serious about this. We understand that th this is an important mission we're on and Bitcoin isn't it. Bitcoin fees are meant to get astronomically high. So only the elite can mess on the base layer. They force everyone onto a centralized layer two lightning network. They create a centralized stable coin on the lightning network. It's the only way it can. You can't do it in a decentralized way. You already see Mr. Loop talking about such things. You see Adam Back talking about such things. They're trying to get everyone on a centralized layer two using a centralized stable coin. That's the plan with Bitcoin. So Bitcoin ain't it. Bitcoin is a great liquidity layer. If we can get enough Bitcoin on our layer, VSC or a layer two, the Lightning Network under our own nodes, that's the battle right now. But just to think of Bitcoin as a savior, Without Hive, Bitcoin is elite. It's a, it's a cage. It's luring people in. The fees are going to skyrocket on the base layer, so the rest of the world is going to be forced onto a second layer. So I understand you want to capture bull runs. Liquidity is absolutely important. You can gain incredible network effect during bull runs. What I like about Hive is it creates network effects through its value from a value model, regardless of market conditions. And there's a lot of fickle people out there. I really, you know, if someone doesn't understand the value proposition, it doesn't take many, right? It takes somebody who's serious, like us, who's like, my freedom of speech matters. When Rumble goes down and, and X and eventually goes down or, or gets, starts to get really weird and people start to understand this, there's going to be some people who are like, I've had enough. I'm actually going to research this stuff. I'm actually going to see how these things work. So I agree that it's important to capture the waves of liquidity so we can stay afloat because we got to, you know, we got to pay the validators. We got to have liquidity. That's very important to keep the, the censorship resistance alive. Um, but at the same time, we absolutely need to hold in the highest regard of what we are. And what we are is we offer a voice to everybody and we offer a stable value, a store of value in a dignifiable way to everybody, which is absolutely key. And no other blockchain does this. And that's including Bitcoin. Yes, and 100%. I do agree with that. And I would say 
that, of course, I, well, I mean, I, I totally sub- subscribe to what you're saying. I actually got my my schizophrenic, uh, like like what, what people consider schizophrenic conspiranoic tendencies from from listening to all of this and from reading all of the the things that Hive offers and how the system works and how they want to keep us poor, ignorant, dependent on the system. And I know there's a war coming. I just think that whenever someone from a protocol or from a blockchain that is worth less than $200 million instead of a, a blockchain that is worth a billion dollars, the narrative loses strength. So as you said, we need to ride a couple waves to, to grow to a billion dollars or two billion dollars and then start doing it because it it's like when, when you start uh, talking about a, a, a certain token or coin and you have 200 followers on Twitter, nobody's going to pay attention to you. But if you have 10,000 followers and you push a narrative, then people say, okay, this guy is onto something. So it's the same with our blockchain. If we want the real whales to, to listen to us, the people to actually care about it, we need to have money behind people's money, not VC-funded money, no ICOs, people's money behind so that whenever someone, let's just say a couple of whales from Polygon or from Ethereum, they, they listen to a space like this one, they will be like, okay, so Hive, let's research it. Oh, wow, $2 billion. Instead of, oh, $140 million. Uh, I don't think this is for me. You know, I think we should grow before pushing this narrative. I agree um, in that regard that market cap matters if you're talking crypto Twitter or centralized VCs. But if you go to somebody who's actually using HBD on a daily basis, they don't care about the market cap. And if you go to somebody who needs a way to store value that isn't censorship resistant, they can market make that. Because Hive, it ultimately, is a tool. HBD is ultimately a tool. And a tool can be used and manufactured in any way that the person needing it can. So I understand that a lot of people like to look at the market cap and all these things. But Hive is a parameter tool that can blow up in an instant, the moment the right person recognizes its use case. So, um, and like I said, I'm somebody who don't leave anything on the table. So get at, you know, any way we can make network effect in a moral way and distribute the network effect. I'm all for it. So, yeah, if I can just jump in, um, Eric kind of stole my, my point <laughs> a bit. Um, I just want to add when it comes to the narrative itself, we can hold all these values we do, um, on hive, we can find value in it. We can spread it around the Hive ecosystem. But let me ask you this. How many spaces that are related to crypto or blockchain right now are there that are talking about free, free speech blockchains, human rights blockchains? There's one, this one. They're not talking about it. So if we want attention from the wider crypto markets, we have to bring to them something they have interest in. And so, that something should potentially be something that we also find value in. Smart contracts, I think, are a good way to do it. The free speech narrative has been, I think, tainted by Elon Musk. He offered them, promised them free speech, changed nothing. Um, the stablecoin narrative is still strong, but again, was tainted by FTX, SBF, and you know, uh, Luna coin and stuff like that. But the smart contracts uh, discussion is still strong. 
And we are the ones that need to bring attention to Hive by going out to the people. And we can do that if we're talking about stuff they're interested in. So once we have the free features ready, we can go into any one of these hundred spaces and we won't be met with the same response that Eric was met. Okay, dude, yeah, free speech, great. We're talking about something else. We're talking about something that matters, something that we're interested in. If we want their attention, we have to talk about stuff they are interested in that we can offer. And we do that by, you know, creating these features, working on them, and inevitably, you know, delivering in a decentralized manner, hopefully. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, I want to get to Bitcoin Man and, and Bench in a couple of seconds because they've got their hands up. I see uh, VSCs come in the room. Voltec, I assume, is there. And Edwin's also a speaker. So I'll get to you guys shortly. I, I just want to touch on this, Lord Butterfly, because I feel like one of the things that happened, that, you know, Coinos, congratulations to them. They've done very well in terms of the price pump and the narrative that they've been pushing. And they, they you know, there's, there's a lesson to be learned from these guys. They, they're expert narrative pushers. And it seems to me that they've put their feelers out there and they've been very strong on social media. And one of the things that's caught on is this idea of um, feeler smart contracts, which is what VSC does as well. Um, it's also, you know, they talk about a fair launch, although there's very there's a lot of controversy around the launch of that token, but the narrative has prevailed. And those are the two main points that I saw really take off for for Coinos, I don't know if anyone else has got any other thoughts. Maybe Lord Butterfly, you can just come back because I think that's that's one of the things that's inspired your talk here. Seeing that happen and then saying, "Well, is, is Hive's narrative really correct?" And what is it about Coinos that's made it go go essentially viral? And what is it that Hive can do that, that that matches or exceeds that? I mean, when it comes to the smart contracts discussion, the reason I picked them was because we've been talking about it for you know almost half a decade. And it still hasn't arrived in the form that we need. But yeah, uh, I, I, I have been watching what they were doing from day one. I wasn't happy with the way they launched and the, the complications and some serious issues. But we as a blockchain, we've been here for a long time. We have different people seeing Hive in a different light. Everybody has their own idea what we should be doing, what's what is the most important thing when it comes to coins? Hey they guys, have, you guys, know, basically... sorry, I think you're speaking over each other. I don't think that Matt can hear Lord Butterfly, or Lord Butterfly cannot hear Matt, but you're both speaking over each other. Oh, he's speaking right now? No, no, I'm not speaking. Uh, yeah, you were both speaking at the same time. I think it's an X space issue. Yeah, I, I'm I'm good. The stream's perfect for me, uh, Eric. I can hear a little bit. Uh, uh, oh, Mine's good as well. Yeah, it was good for me. Yeah, I think something on your end, bud. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> you pointing out. Finish my, my thought before I lose it. Um, their narrative came from one single direction from the core team that worked on their projects. We are decentralized. We don't have what they have in that sense. So we need these discussions, we need these spaces, we need these discussions on chain of what we can do when it comes to the, the specific market. What they did, they, they recognized the market they wanted to target, created a narrative around it, and positioned themselves in a way that worked. So we also need to do the same thing. It might be smart contracts, it might be stable coins, it might be whatever. But when it comes to the, the specific narrative that is focused 
on the crypto market, it needs to be clear. It needs to be related to something that is grabbing attention right now that that has a market. The, the free speech blockchain, there, there is no market for that right now. And I don't think we're powerful enough, big enough, have a high enough market cap, enough users on Web2 where these discussions are taking place that we can create a market for these for these ideas. So we should, in a sense, when it comes to the market side of things, attach ourselves to the existing narratives and present the features we have that are much superior than those of other blockchains and present it to, to investors. That that is my opinion anyway. Let me um let me just comment because the I agree. I'm not I'm not in the trendy things. So I understand narrative change and I understand if we can build smart contracts and attract liquidity. But you know, there's two different people. You, when you say they, you're talking about the crypto Twitter market. Um, it's, it, crypto Twitter isn't what keeps Bitcoin from market cap that high. It's people who actually find a real use case for Bitcoin censorship resistant liquidity. And, you know, and then trading, obviously, but a lot of that, you know, keeping that market cap as high as it is, is people who actually find a use case in it. And there is a big misinformation campaign with the Web2 thinking freedom of speech exists on X and all these things. People aren't dumb. These influencers, some of them understand that they, you know, they're, they're, they're walking on eggshells and freedom of speech is absolutely a very powerful. Now, I'm not saying we go free speech, free speech to a crypto Twitter market looking to flip JPEGs. That's, that would be wrong. I agree. You have to know where, where, who you're talking to, you know, have a, have a a ability to sense the room, read the room. However, right. There is ways and we should be focusing at least some of us to try to get in contact and educate some of these influencers who are pro free speech, who have millions of followers who understand, Hey, rumble isn't it like, if you were just to talk to them for five minutes and get them to understand the implications of long form text storage, all these things, right? Cause they're, they're capable of it. They would start to understand, Oh, wow. Okay. I really have power over here. So there's markets that you have to direct these things to and awareness campaigns, but I agree. We should have a crypto Twitter, um, have a smart contract, be, let people flip their JPEGs, whatever the trendy thing is to capture that liquidity. Why not? But freedom of speech is absolutely, it is absolutely in demand right now. It's just been diluted, but not every influencer is an idiot. And some of them understand that, hey, this is serious and I really want to be able to feel protected. So that does exist out there. Yeah. Um, so, oh, sorry. I'll go on, go on a little bit. Sorry. Yeah. So you, you touched upon just a little bit the, the practical side of things. You have this narrative, let's say it's free speech. How do you bring that message from Hive, from where we're doing it right now, to these people? You're saying, okay, let's talk to them. So how do we talk to them? Th that is the question, really. So if you have a market, if you have something that is being discussed ad nauseum, let's say on Twitter, let's say we're just focusing on Twitter today, maybe not, but le let's say we are. If I took smart contracts, if I took VSC, uh, prepared a speech, went on a space that discusses smart contracts, from there, I can get 10, 15 minutes to talk about Hive. If I come with a free speech narrative, they will tell me, you know, we don't care. They won't be interested. A couple of days ago, I actually went on to speak about a, a project I'm doing related to music. That doesn't really matter. But I went on one of the spaces that's related to music NFTs. 
if I went on and discussed, you know, Hive offering rewards, blah, blah, blah. What I did, I offered them something they were interested in, something they were missing, something they, were, they are used to discussing all the time. And from there, you know, I got a couple dozen followers with two to 300,000 followers between them because they were interested in what I was presenting to them. So I, I recognized a market, I recognized their needs, and I presented it. Th that allowed me to speak about all these positives because I didn't only speak about what I was doing with the project. I spoke about Hive. I spoke about the Hive car. So we create opportunities for ourselves to speak about Hive, to speak about all these things that we hold dear, free speech, community ownership, when we present a story alongside that that they're interested in. And smart contracts would be one of those things. So um, the practical side of things, if you want to take it to speak to people, you have to bring it somewhere that, where they're speaking about something that's related to it in some way and then you present all these things alongside it because that has additional value that adds more more depth to what hive is to what blockchain is some might only present yeah we are offering free transactions uh, smart contracts but we can offer so much more than that alongside it so th that's what i how i think we should practically be approaching the the narrative that we're going to push out by creating an opportunity for us to speak about all of these other things. Uh, can I just jump in here? I, I want to ask the audience, if you can, in the Leo thread or in the Divas thread, just put narrative in capitals and then type in one line that you think should be the narrative of Hive. And then we'll, we'll come back and discuss them as part of the show. Um, so if you just type in narrative and then one line that you think should be the prevailing narrative of Hive, or what, we, what I could get behind and, and we could take to other people. Um, be interested to address that at the, towards the end of this call and see what the speakers think of those ideas. So I'll be going through the show and Kalei to go through and, and taking your comments. And obviously we'll, give, we, we'll be giving up both from people with the best narratives. Uh, another thing to mention as well is we're running the usual thumbnail competition. Um, so if you want to make a thumbnail for the show, uh, don't forget it's a podcast, so we'll have a square um, image and an landscaping and it should um, be big letters so that people can see it in the podcast from a distance and it should be related to CTP and what we're speaking about. You have a little bit of a crackle, I think, Matt. All right. Sorry. Was it clear yeah. though? Could you understand what I was saying? Yeah, yeah, but it got worse at the end. It yeah, seems so like it's clear now. I, I know what it is. I know it's, it's all good. I solved it. Yeah. I just want All to right. quickly, um, before I forget, um, just because we also have a lot of other people who want to speak, um, I, my, my whole point was there's markets to raise awareness to, and there's definitely different ways to approach each one. How you would do an end of, um, how, how you would contact influencers, I could give ideas, but I, I believe that to understand that at least there are different paths, right? So if you're going to focus on one, if you're going to do like a shotgun approach, right, that doesn't really work. It's more about sniper understanding your market and honing the message to them because there's definitely ways to do influencer, um, to get in contact with influencers. There's also definitely ways to get in contact with traders and NFT people. And I agree, smart contracts are absolutely, there's no reason not to. That's what, you know, the next evolution of Hive. And my biggest thing is tokenized communities, which requires smart contracts. Um, so there's definitely, and then when you have smart contracts, you can brute force network effects, right? Like, you know, airdrop, as you're saying, provide value, airdrop, um, 
community tokens and a front end to a community, right? And um, they're going to say, oh, wow, this is cool. Thanks. So, you know, just things you can do. I can, I can go on day, all day about that, but yeah, that was basically what was going on. It's, it's like there's a prevailing narrative and then there's a set of features that that, that narrative provides, right? Um, I, I want to I wanna come to VSC in a minute to discuss what, I guess, Voltex behind the account thinks of the vision for this and where it could go. It might be something we can get behind. Um, but first, I see Bitcoin Man and Benji, uh, Simple Game, have got their hands up for a while. So I just want to bring you guys in to have your say. Um, so Bitcoin Man, if you could j- jump in first. if you're Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good to go. Well, first of all, I want to... yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, great talk so far. As usual, last week was crazy. This week, not as crazy yet, but we're still going. So there's still hope. But anyway, I wanted to say some things. Something that uh, Dan brought up which i totally agree what hive offers is is really really special because realistically it could be used in so many fields and in so many ways and also the thing that eric talked about i sort of agree with that because it's a better look because because then we're we we're we're our starting point is later on instead of before it makes us look worse. Oh, you guys have been here for seven years and you got, that's where you're all at? So I feel like that's a little bit of a better look for us. So yeah, I agree, but it's a matter of uh, finding the right narrative. And another thing I wanted to say is, where the hell is the Threadcast, man? It's so hard to find. I'm trying to like go look through in Leo, trying to find it. I went on Discord to try to see, oh, you guys post an announcement on the... Nope, there's nothing. There's just it's, it's space. On the, it's, Damn. It's in the three speak. It's in the three speak Discord. We have a CTT podcast section in the three speak Discord. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you. All right, that's all I want to say. All right, thank you. Simple game, or well, I guess it's Benjamin Baraga <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. How you doing, man? Good. It's good to hear from good, you. Good, Matthew. Can you hear me? Yeah, sure. Um, but by the way, I don't think many people know of you on Hive, and I'd just be interested to, for you to give a quick thirty-second intro of what you do and what your interest is in Hive. Oh, my interest in Hive? Let's just nail it the same way uh, Dan did. Immutable text, man. That's where it's at. Um, as far as I know, you have, you have some applications for Hive, though. You're, you're into game building, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'll just give a little background. Um, I'm doing tons of back-end work on Hive. Um, I just didn't really want to get into that too much uh, right now. Um, a lot of people have seen me. That's all yeah, good. I just... it's, it's, to, it's, it's, it's to give people context. Okay. Uh, around where you're speaking from fine i'll do it hold on (laughs) um okay so i'm speaking from i've been on this chain for about six years and i don't like to talk about the old chain ever but uh i've been building off and on i've run witnesses i've run nodes i've done community building i've been downvoted i've been uh kicked off the chain for spam posting supposedly when all we were doing was building uh communities um yeah, and I've been around quite a bit, and I've seen a lot. And this topic, I don't normally talk much. I don't get out in public because we're building and we're not ready to launch. But this whole narrative thing um, really encouraged me to get on board because um, that's kind of what we're focused on right now with our project. So uh, I attack it from you know the free speech, mutable text thing, but I'm a hardcore gamer. Been a hardcore gamer my whole life. Um, and what the crypto bros on web three Twitter and YouTube did to crypto's advantages for gaming and Gen Z um, really destroyed it. 
it destroyed it. Like NFT crypto is a toxic word when you get out into web free gaming. And I just want to make sure that um, moving forward, we can change that narrative quite a bit. So I just want to address something that I've heard a little bit here today. Um, and I hear a lot online. And I try to address it quite a bit is people are bringing frustration to their voice and frustration to their texting and frustration to their posts. And that's why I love when I hear Dan talk. Dan is so calm and straightforward. And we need to be more like that. We, we can't get frustrated. We can't get frustrated with each other. We can share ideas and discuss points and values, but we can't be frustrated that the other person shared an opinion that we didn't have. Um, and that's really important. And one big thing I want to really mention is as we do our narratives, and this has been covered quite a bit, we do have to target them for the market. And to be honest, we need to ignore Web3 Twitter. I don't want whales from Solana. I don't want whales from Cardano. I'm, I'm going to give a little interesting fact here. I work in Web2. Web I work in gaming. I work in AAA studios. We're getting ready to launch our own project on Hive. That's going to bring value for value gaming. It's going to finally solve universal items. And all this money you're talking about, it's one-tenth of 1% 1 of what Fortnite makes in a year. Okay, so we can worry about the Web3 whales and the Solana whales. And if I get 10-year-olds playing a game that records to chain and uses our marketplaces and uses our smart contracts in a year we'll have so much revenue coming in it will dwarf anything these other people are talking about on their chains so don't worry about everybody else worry about our chain let's onboard people and the only reason coinos and all those steam engineers who can produce anything are actually popular right now is they're using one word on web3 it's called free they keep saying it's a free network a free network we always say it's a feeless network. All they did is they put an R in there and they're getting trending. So if you want to trend, say we're free to use. Anyways, that's that's my little rant on that. The, yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Just on, on the free to use side, the difference between what Coinos has got and what Hive has got is they've basically implemented um, light accounts. Yes. Um, and, and so Hive doesn't have that. Hive could do that, and it's been a, to a topic of discussion for at least four years Absolutely. now. Uh, and, 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 yeah, I mean, ultimately, a light account is where it can't comment, it can't post, yep. it can't vote, but it can transact, and it can receive interactions with a, uh, with a smart exactly. contract. And then that's what you, then, then you've got actual free to yes, use. Yes, and we're going to have that in our system. We're building it out right now. So every gaming account that everybody has, by default, their Microsoft account, their Xbox account is by default a Hive account. And and they won't know it, but they can learn about it. And and that is the future. And that's the interesting thing, right? Because Coinos is talking about that and they're trying to onboard people. And that's their thing. Like we're trying to onboard projects. We're trying to onboard people. No, I'm throwing tens of thousand dollars a month building out what we need to build out. And then when you go into these rooms and you have a working product and you show it, they give you time of day. The reason why we don't get time of day isn't because our coin is low, our market cap is low. We don't get time of day because you can't walk in with a computer and show them end to end how this product is useful. And that's why we haven't shown or launched anything yet. I don't want to show screenshots. I don't want to show it half working. When I actually show it working end to end, then it begins. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the reasons that we haven't really pushed marketing of 3Speak that far yet. We're getting close to a really smooth onboarding system. 
Um, but it's it's not there, and I, you know we, we've all we've all had the situations at events and things where you try and show a half finished product, and it's just it's just not the it's not the way. Yeah, so maybe we should change the narrative to patience. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I pre- yeah. appreciate that though, yeah. Benjamin, no and uh, it's good to see you around. Simple game on Hive, right. uh, very, very good, smart guy. Right. Appreciate you being All here. Right. Talk to you later. All right, um, let's before we bring in VSC, I'd just like to jump to Edwin. I've seen you've been uh, added as a speaker for a while, so I don't know if you want to say anything here, Edwin. Yeah, I'm on desktop, so nobody can ever see me raise my hand. No one can hear you scream in space. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's. I don't know if we want to hear you scream. Your you, your voice is too nice to uh, to talk about screaming. <laughs> I am very resonant. As a young man, I was a sergeant in the army. My voice projects when I want it to. <laughs> very good. Uh, what I would say. So I, I've sat in on a couple of dozen uh, hive casts now, and we always have to decide when we're doing something that's externally facing, nominally. So if we're doing a live space on Twitter, is it? For our internal consumption, even though it's on Twitter, or is it for external consumption? Because narratives and stories that are important to us within Hive are not always important to people outside of Hive. Like the um, the whole Steam versus Hive war, right? Hive versus Justin Sun. We all like that narrative, particularly the long-termers, but... You know, some of the audience, they don't have the context for them. It's not their fight. It's not something they get excited about. One thing I will say after having read, I don't know, or having read, sat in on about 30 different Twitter spaces on Hive. And this is across the board. Every single, every single group of Hive streamers who does some kind of stream on Hive, you never, you never read Twitter comments. Never address Twitter comments. So it's like you're you're leaving there. You are disincentivizing interaction on Twitter when you're trying to reach people, arguably maybe 50% of the time on Twitter. And I'm not picking on anybody, <laughs> but if the if a particular space is focused at an external audience to expose them to Hive, help them discover particular platforms or surfaces on hive when you got a space make sure to engage with the comments because it's not hive and the only token the only token on twitter is dopamine and so if you're not if you're not giving that that dopamine token you're not incentivizing interaction on twitter now speaking of twitter I've made it a point, I've made it a point to re-engage on Twitter and and build my account back up. I used to be very heavy into politics. If you search my name, I'll probably come up in the Daily Mail somewhere. <laughs> Fun stuff. But by using by using deliberate techniques, by going into controversial and trending topics and engaging with people there. I've managed to, I think I'm on track to quadruple my impressions uh, this month. And then hopefully during the month of December, I'll be able to get several million impressions by going to people where they are, addressing them. And so the way I'm marketing things like in Leo and 3Speak is I'm going to communities that are having real-world conversations and having those conversations passionately 
and I'm documenting that conversation or I'm doing some analysis on this topic. So like over on 3Speak, my best trending video right now is just a narration of an essay that a libertarian or an ANCAP wrote about anarcho-capitalism. And then I brought that back onto Twitter and engaged with their community. So what I've been doing is going, finding things, finding things that people are interested in, real-world issues, often controversial issues, carefully writing, documenting, and then engaging with those communities and then showing them how they can come to a service on Hive, right? Whether that's 3Speak in Leo, Peak D, one of your favorite platform is, and then consume content about their community. And that seems to work very well. Now, it doesn't make as much money as if I was doing one of the, if you write for Hive, if you write for internal consumption on Hive, you can generate a lot of whatever token you want on upvotes. Doesn't build a lot of external facing value, but that's one technique. But the most important thing for me is being able to secure that free speech. And so I'm showing people in their own communities how the different applications in Hive can be used to have serious conversations about serious things in a censorship-resistant way. But you just have to have that external focus, and it's time-consuming. It's time-consuming to have a meaningful and and relevant perspective and, you know, time-consuming to produce the content in the writing. I think that's it. I think that's it. I think I think that's very interesting. This idea of an internal and external narrative are very important. I mean, we all know what the narrative is on Hive. You know, we're all, and and I think if you've got an external narrative that you're pushing, and then people independently find out the internal narrative on their own and start talking about that separately, it's very very powerful. Uh, and so the question is, what external narratives are we going to use? And one of the things that Hive suffers from is the whole blog post earn thing. Steam Steam back in the day was very big, and there was a lot of like internal blogging within Steam because there were enough eyes and there were enough um, things going on. These days, I still think there's a lot of eyes. It's just we're not supposed to be... It's all internally focused. How do I mine the token by internally focusing my content? Whereas in reality, and I've been a big pusher of this for a long time, I want to see... I want to reward people who are doing things outside of Hive and I want mechanisms to do that. We do call-to-action blogs and we should do more of this on Hive, in my opinion, where... People are sharing content. People are posting about certain um, narratives outside of Hive, and then they can post about the fact that they've done that inside of Hive and get rewarded for it. I think that's a far better way to use the Hive algorithm than to just post your daily goings-on on your internal blog within Hive and hope that you get upvotes for it. I I don't really see that as a a very value-added thing, and I'd like to reward more value-added activities like that. So... um, yeah, definitely support that idea and any any narratives. And ultimately, I, th- I hope in this sh- towards the end of this show, we're going to come to some kind of conclusion, of uh, uh, at least to a group of overarching narratives that we should be working together to reach outside of the platform and push those narratives uh, collectively as a group, but outside of Hive. Um, so appreciate that, Edwin. Yeah, and just the last thought on that is that, you know, maybe free speech is overdone and we have to we have to have we have to have, you know, find that right way to simply convey that Hive is the best place to talk about hard things, right? Because we all know what's going to happen to all these forums. And so Hive remains, Hive remains that, 
that bastion or that fortress, or it can be, can be a place, a place to protect speech, a place to protect speech so that hard things can be discussed in a meaningful way. And I'll drop down to the listener. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, before I bring VSC on, I guess Benjamin's got a quick comment here. So he's got his hand up. So I'll just bring him in again, please. Yeah, I just want to touch real quick on what Edwin was saying. Um, he completely nailed it. Um, that internal, external conversation. And I think that was kind of what I was trying to get to, but I get convoluted sometimes, is we just banter with each other too much. If the time you spent online going price not going up why aren't we onboarding the nodes down whatever and you were going out to these other communities and talking with them and finding out what their needs are uh, to the points other people said we have a lot of different narratives we have different things you can do with our chain find those communities find those people and bring them on one at a one at a time and if you run into someone that's like oh i just want to flip jpegs or i just want to do this don't waste your time with them move on to the next person move on to the next person um, you know, and if we onboard one at a time, one community at a time, um, that's going to be more beneficial. I'll drop back down to the listener. Yeah, as a focus. Can I say a few things? Sure. Yeah, sorry, jumping in. Um, I, I've been on Hive and Steam for six years, and I've heard this speech probably a billion times, a billion different ways. It was said, I'm talking here about being practical, actually doing something that works. If you want people to talk about Hive that are in the crypto space, you need to go to them with a story, with a narrative that they understand, that they're familiar with, and present it in a way that they um, recognize that we have the features that they want. That is the only way to do this. If we're going to talk, yeah, let's find the communities, let's attract these people, those people, that's been done to death. It didn't work, never worked. Let's be practical. Let's create a market-appropriate narrative and present it to the investors, to the people that are already in, into crypto space, in the Web 2 space, presenting itself as Web 3. That, that's basically what my contention is for the, this whole space. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, all right, let, let's bring in VSC here, because there's a lot of talk about moving towards con smart contracts. I think, it, I, I don't know if we're going to get away with just smart contracts. It has to be smart contracts plus something else, right? I mean... We know that VSC scales horizontally because you can keep bolting new groups of nodes to a new smart contract as it scales out. And so the theory is that doing it that way should work rather than forcing every single node on layer one to scale. So that's that's a key difference between layer two smart contracts and layer one co smart contracts. The other side of this is doing it on Hive. Now, I know that there will be fees, at least initially on VSC, but I'm assuming we can get to a place with resource staking that's a, you know, a key attribute of Hive to a point where we can get these smart contracts to run for free in some way. Um, so I'll bring VSC in now and be interested if you could address those two points and maybe talk a bit more about your future vision. Yeah, yeah. Let's actually start a little bit on the conversation that we were having earlier about um, light accounts. So I want to talk a bit about how the light accounts will work on VSC and also how they differ from both what Coinos kind of provides and also what... Um, I guess you can parallel that with uh, other chains like Ethereum. So the the kinds of light accounts on Coinos aren't really light accounts in the same way as what VSC will provide. Um, on Coinos, you'd still need to have a token. You need to to get that 
liquid token and then burn it for some gas credits. And then you could start regenerating those RCs. And that still requires you to actually have some kind of an on-chain presence. Um, and I'm not sure if any of you guys have seen in my uh, presentation about it at HiveFest, but one of the first few slides was um, instant account or instant RC delegation. And basically what that means is that when you actually have a light account on VSC, it doesn't actually need any on-chain presence to interact with the system. All it needs is somebody who is willing to authorize essentially what is like a credit card transaction to then say that your account can then do a certain operation. And they give you a proof that could then uh, effectively withdraw those RCs from that account when that ha operation happens. So that means that they actually don't need to have any kind of on-chain presence at all. Like they don't need tokens, nothing. They just need an authorized party to do that delegation. And that happens instantly. There's no on-chain transaction that happens. There's no um, RC values that you have to adjust. There's no, like, you can, you can adjust those values on demand. And so roll that into VSC in the, in the kind of longer-term future where you, you don't even need to have any of those token, any on-chain tokens. You can just get someone to do that instant RC delegation. And then, boom, now you can immediately interact with VSC smart contracts and even hive on-chain data. So it's a whole level up from saying, oh yeah, we have this new RC bar that now allows us to do smart contracts. No, this is actually, you can take an account, instantly give it RCs, and now you can immediately make transactions with very little to, to no overhead user. Um, so that's quite a substantial difference from what might be a CoinOS. And, and when you, it's like thinking of almost that, like effectively those light accounts on CoinOS are no different than an Ethereum address, except with maybe RC can, credits. Can you can yeah. you just go step by step into the uh, the user onboarding experience in what you've just described? Yeah, so to give people an idea of would, how that would look. Yeah, they would make their account, which is the public private did, and they could do that however they'd like. That could be a, a MetaMask login, that could be an SSO login, it could be something custom, whatever the application is. Most stuff should support that kind of um, public-private key uh, interface. Everything's crypto, public-private key. So standard public-private key, you generate that key, you now have it, that's your user identity. From there, you can then contact a service provider, which would be the DAP in this case, and you would re request like through an API saying, hey, I need uh, 1,000 RCs for this operation on-chain. And then that provider, which would be the DAP, would say, all right, cool. You want 1,000 RCs, you have it. And they give you a special code that you include with your transaction in the back end, of course, and the user doesn't touch any of it. And that code authorizes that transaction to debit that account balances RCs from provider. So that need to hold any tokens. It doesn't even need to hold RCs. It's just an identity. And the app is doing an immediate delegation of tokens and immediate authorization of RC credits that then allow that user to interact on chain with the on chain VSE uh, smart contracts. So, and that, that, really, that, that's, that's not for, yeah, that's not for all accounts. Is it? That's just for the off chain side of this. That's that. Well, that's the off chain accounts, uh, and I guess you could do the same kind of thing with Hive, but there's not really a point to because they already have yeah, an right. account. Yeah, right. The Hive accounts have got that all built in, right? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, they already had they they already already need to their own RTs and all of that. So they wouldn't need a provider, but for the off-chain accounts, they can go through the provider and immediately get RCs with, with zero lag under under one side latency, probably even lower than that. And they can immediately make that transaction and have it start processing through SC without and very little to no user intervention, low low involvement with the DAP. It's just one one shot and done. And now you have uh, an account that can interact on chain. So, so if we were to go with the the overlying the over, overarching narrative of layer two smart contracts, um, when people hear the word smart contracts, they're just going to say, "Oh, well, it's just another smart contract chain." And it's like, well, what what would be different about layer two smart contracts on Hive that you could summarize fairly easily in a quick conversation on Twitter with someone that they would see, "Oh, this is actually different." What what would be the thing to to focus on that in your in- right? Uh, so a lot of the smart contract chains are EVM-based. So that's a very common thing. Um, there has been quite a bit of complaints around EVM being a limiting factor because it's been around for quite a long time now. And really, there hasn't been a lot of advancements in EVMs. Um, and especially at the core layer one, there hasn't been a lot of advances either, um, like relating to issues of... Um, like minor extractable value attacks and issues where miners can influence the blocks and influence the way transactions are done. Really, a lot of that hasn't actually changed a lot. Um, and with VSC, what we have is like pre-sequencing. So the validators can pre-sequence the, the blocks uh, ahead of time and they all agree on the pre-sequencing and then they do the executing in a, in a separate step. So we can basically ensure that the miners, the actual people who are in block production and the uh, smart contract execution cannot actually influence the outcome. They don't really control that ordering. So you can't have like a group of uh, miners say, oh, I want to reorder this block and thus invalidate this transaction that might be for a chain. They can't do because the structure was designed from the ground up to both support the scaling and then also help um, solve those kind of problems. So when there's a lot of these like trading groups out there that are like, okay, we need to solve these, these attacks for miners where they're, they could potentially sense the transactions or reorder them. So now my transaction is lower priority than their preferred transaction. And they don't have any solutions because really all of these chains are the exact same way. All of these EVM chains operate under the same exact principle where you don't really have a lot of choice in how, um, like it's up to the miners on how they want to order the transactions and thus lead to those kind of attacks. Um, and additionally, with the scalability part, all of our smart contracts and overall architecture is designed for scalability. So we're using like modern language uh, for all of our smart contracts, WebAssembly, which you can compile almost any language down to it. You can compile JavaScript, C++, Golang. Um, all those languages can easily compile down to WebAssembly. And then we just need to add that support to um, BAE, the, the VM and special stuff that we need to do. So having uh, support for different languages, which means dApps can easily code in that language and use that however, however they would want. Um, and of course, that scalability. So building up uh, the both on the smart contract uh, transaction ordering and block production. Um, we've gone with this architecture of having validators, and, which are the witnesses that act as the block producers, the anchor block producers, which act as the um, people who actually sequence and order all of these off-chain transactions into a block. 
that then goes on Hive. And that, um, that entire block, uh, it, that, that acts as a, since it's all off-chain, um, you, have almost a, you have a much higher limit than what's on-chain. So you can do much larger transactions. And additionally, with using executor pools, individual executor pools, you can help divide out the load of uh, individual smart contracts. So if you have a group of 10 smart contracts that typically be in 10 different pools, so if one of them has a lot of transactions going through them every second, that won't really affect the rest of the pools because those are individual executor groups and they're all going through the same validator system to help do the, the sequencing and the validation of the data and everything like that. But the actual execution and long-term storage of those smart contracts stays se largely separate, again, aside from some pre-processing. So that ensures that we can actually scale out horizontally. And as the users grow, we actually can grow the incentives. And since the structure isn't designed in a way to support scalability, we can actually grow out the, uh, the number of nodes that are actually running and not break everything. Because um, they don't need to be in sync all the time. They just need very little data to stay, in, to stay in sync. And then only when they do need to stay in sync does things maybe slow down a little bit. But the overall architecture is aimed to help provide that horizontal scaling and help increase transaction, uh, transaction volume. So, so in, term, in terms of a narrative for, for VSC or ultimately for Hive as the underlying clearing layer, what, what are we saying? Is this... Is the narrative off-chain, offline, or off-chain smart contracts, or is it free smart contracts? What What do you think would be simple? Um, good question. I mean, you could say scalable, uh, fee-less contracts, smart contracts. I mean, there still is the fees of RSC credits, which will probably always be there. Um, but the reality is that's yeah, probably uh, probably a good narrative. And I think it would. I think it would really really hit in the right spots but i'm not i'm again i'm not sure on all these twitter spaces and, and is, is that correct that the majority or all users would would experience a free experience because of the ability for the providers to to, to delegate rcs well if you're if you're part of a provider then yeah it would be it'd be feeless and nobody has ever came close to that the only thing that's been close to that in normal world um has been more crypto world has been, uh, I think there's been some project, Tezos project that did a, uh, it was like a account abstraction. So like the account would be a private key, private public key. And then that account would um, be part of a smart contract and the smart contract would execute it on their behalf. But that's the only thing that's been close to it. And that's still on chain and it's still, there is some lag there towards actually like starting the operation. So this, is, this would be one of probably the first to actually do that on the native layer. It's not a smart contract doing this. It's actually the native layer that supports that direct kind of credits, those RC credits coming from a provider to that user. No fancy account. So, so yeah. Yeah. So, so scalable, fee-less smart contracts. Um, what, what do you think, like, say two years down the line, what, what's the vision for this? What, is this, is this you, you logging in with your Gmail account? And you're moving assets that you control on Ethereum, and VSC is just carrying all the load for you in between, and you don't need you don't need to have an Ethereum account or login with Ethereum. It'll all providers will all be able to manage all of that stuff for you, and it's done fearlessly. Uh, well, we'll see how it works with exactly doing Ethereum support, but 
on the Hive side, yeah. Like you log in on, on Gmail, you can go to your provider of choice. They will give you the RCs and then they can maybe take a, another fee somewhere else. Like if it's a NFT site, then you get free free transactions, but then they take some other fees from it or something like that to pay it back. But yeah, like if the provider is willing to give out those credits, you can do whatever you'd really want as a user without paying any fees. And again, because we have the scalability, we can keep those we can keep that actual RC cost low. So even if that even if you do have millions and millions and millions of users that are burning up RCs, that cost really won't change a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we've got a question here from Benjamin, but before we get to that, um, I just wanted to ask you, we've we've discussed a fair bit over the last few weeks, like what VSC needs to take it to the next level on Hive on the base layer. Um, and we're, we're talking about, you know, a, more, a larger set of signatures on the multi-sig side and integrating, I think it's SBL smart um, signatures. Could you talk a little bit about that and the, and, and the support from the community that you might need to get that done? Yeah, yeah. I won't talk too much on the yet because um, I will have a post out in the next couple of probably closer to a month from now but I'll have a post out that I'll at least just technical parts but um, right now we have three kind of technical solutions to help reduce the counterparty risk of the on-chain custody so that's essentially the problem of we have a layer two network where we have our own consensus, essentially, because we have off-chain data and we have to have consensus off-chain. It can't be on Hive. We have this problem of our off-chain consensus not working with Hive, which is our custody layer. We actually own the Hive. We actually own, um, or the, net- the network needs to own Hive. It needs to own HPD. It needs to own those on-chain assets. And we have essentially this other network that has to own those di- that those those on-chain assets in a way that is secure that isn't subject to hack. So that's essentially the problem. Um, we ha- right now, we have to use a multi-sig for that approach, which is actually not the worst approach, um, considering almost all of the Layer 2s on Ethereum use uh, multi-sigs, except differences is the VSC, multi- or the VSC multi-sig would be comprised of node operators, whereas a lot of the uh, Ethereum Layer 2s um, are mainly like corporate entities and trusted entities in the in the particular company or project. So they're almost all people that are put in there in place and there's no election and there's no um, vetting or anything like that. They could just steal your assets if they wanted to. So we have our own multi-sig that would be um, actually somewhat decentralized. You'd have an election, you'd have voting, um, you'd have the, it'd be validator controlled. And that's okay. It still comes with the risk, though, of if those validators are perhaps malicious and they get into the right positions, that they could steal user funds and otherwise compromise the layer two. And the core issue that we've found, at least, is it comes with uh, two two main kind of things that are both related. It comes with how much money is in that multi-sig and if that money is collateralized, those assets are, are collateralized. And the second one is how much participation is in that multi-sig. And so the first one is actually quite easy to solve. You have a layer two token that acts as the collateral, that layer two token has value, and then you require over collateralization of those validators. But the problem with that approach is it completely limits your layer two, um, like the, the total value, because you have to have the equivalent collateral in that account in order to ensure that those validators do not misbehave. And if they do, then you can slash that collateral. But again, that enforces a cap. 
So, and that cap is the amount of collateral that you have on the layer two side. And so on the second option, which is much more complicated, is actually increasing the participation of that multi-sig. And so right now on Hive, we have a limit of maximum of 40 signing keys on any given multi-sig or any given account. 40 keys is your maximum. Could you imagine having only 40 nodes control your entire network for your layer two? Not really. Well, I mean, if, if, it's, if, it's 100, if it's $100 billion, I'm not sure that the rest of the crypto community would appreciate only 40. Oh, million. no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. That's what we're looking to so, go to, ultimately. Yeah, so definitely not. And again, for small stages, it's fine. Small amount of money, you have tra relatively trusted, um, trustable validators, but it's not great, right? You don't have that hundreds of thousands of nodes worth of consensus actually participating in that node or in that uh, multi-sig. And so the problem with our current multi-sigs of Hive is that limitation, but there's also data limitations. As you increase the keys, the account data becomes bigger, and also the signatures on chain becomes significantly bigger. So this really creates a problem because every transaction could be 100 times larger than what it would normally because you've attached all that extra all those extra signatures and verified information. And so that's really a problem. So we've done a bunch of research and actually found that there's uh, new cryptographic libraries that actually allow for, for signature compression, which would allow you to actually have hundreds or even thousands of nodes participate in a Hive multisig that would actually put less on-chain data than a, a multisig with 40 validators. So could you imagine having instead 500 or 1,000 or 2,000 nodes participating in that multisig but that is almost the same amount of data as a, four, as a 30 or 40 node multi-sig. And so um, that's one of a few options that we're looking at, but that does require some pretty significant, again, I say the significant, but it's also quite straightforward, changes to um, the Hive layer one to support such a thing. And so we need that actual layer one support for these improved uh, cryptographic standards so that we can actually comp do signature compression and do some of these other more fancy things that would then enable us to have a thousand nodes, and yet there's very little on-chain presence. Um, that's good. That would be an, yeah. a very you know big task, but it 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 would be an ongoing kind of battle to uh, improve the security of a layer two approach, and ultimately a la uh, enable layer twos to be fully featured and no different than a layer one. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we've got a little bit sidetracked there. We'll come back to the narrative of the future narrative of Hive, but I just want to reiterate there that to summarize what Voltex said, he's looking for an adjustment in the Hive layer one so that it can support a multi-sig that has hundreds or even thousands of participants in the decision to release funds. And it would just move us away from the counterparty risk of having a layer two multi-sig that has a few people on it. You know, putting putting that multi-sig decision on the layer one and hive brings a, the whole community consensus behind it, basically. So it makes it much harder to abuse and extract funds from. Um, so food for thought. I want to come back to the the narrative of hive. I see Benjamin's got his hand up patiently there, so I'll bring you in to ask a question here. Man, I've never talked so much in one day. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> On Voltex multisig, just a quick point for him. Um, yeah, if we want to do that on layer one, definitely get in those core dev meetings and start talking. 
And my understanding is that being pretty open, you can start to, um, you know, add some code in there and test it on the test net and stuff like that. If you need help with that, uh, I can help you. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to pursue this quite yet, uh, but around January, uh, February is when I really want to start looking at this because, um, of course, it'll take you know, several months afterwards to get actually live. But, yeah, no, I'll, I'm yeah. Defi- it's definitely on my radar. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll get it done. Yeah, we'll touch base. Uh, so just real quick, I just want to make one more final point on narrative. I didn't realize narrative was so important to me until this conversation. Um, to, I think it was Lord Butterfly's last point that he's been on chain for a while and he's heard the same thing over and over again. And it's frustrating. He hasn't heard uh, or seen anything happen to it. Totally feel that frustration. Um, my personal view on this, and I don't bring this up much because I like to talk at the level that we're talking, but I think a lot of this is driven by money. I think on the previous chain and on early days on Hive, there's a lot of people just looking for money. And I hear this conversation of, oh, well, we need to get these whales to bring money in. Okay, let's be honest. With money, what's the number? Because if I'm bringing in $500,000 a month and I decide to put that into Hive, is that enough? I mean, we've got some big people around here that've got money sitting on the sidelines that I do know some people are going to deploy some funds. So, like, is it just money? I mean, I don't, I don't know why we need this validation from these other chains. And I understand that, well, we've tried it before. No, we tried it with people that didn't have pockets. We tried it before with people that were not putting their own capital into projects. Um, there's a few people on the chain, and I won't mention them, but like they've been milking the chain and they get mad when the price goes down because their milk isn't as profitable. Um, but there's other people that are like, I have a low hive stake. Yeah, because I'm not buying hive. I'm spending money developing. Um, and I just want to make sure we take the money out of the narrative. And I hear some of these things that the narrative that I hear people looking to get validation on just seems to be driven by that. And that'll probably be the last thing I say today. Yeah. I, I, I somewhat agree with that narrative. Uh, that, well, that thought on the flip side, you know, Dan and I, Voltec, Eric, other guys in this room, Lord Butterfly, we've been around for a long time. And I think we all deep down know that Hive enables a set of principles to be followed on on the blockchain. And it's those principles that really bring us together. We haven't really um, voiced it or articulated it that well. But I think deep down we all know, you know, this whole idea of immutable tech storage, this whole idea of um, the ability to speak, to build communities, to build economies around those communities and give those, I mean, I call them digital human rights away to people. Now, I'm not saying I agree with Lord Butterfly, probably the, the narrative shouldn't be digital human rights, but it's a base set of principles that we're here for. You know, we're definitely not here for the money. We're not here to extract money from the chain. We're here to build a set of projects that embody those principles and then the cool thing is the cool tools that you can build from that and, and lead with one of those narratives. Um, so yeah, I appreciate that thought, um, Benjamin. And, you know, definitely you, you're in good company because we, we're not here for the money. We're here because we can actually change the freaking world. You know, and this is the chain to do it on because of the way it was released, because of the, the principles upon which it's built, because of the decentralization of the community. There's nothing else out there like it. And so we stick around and we keep building. Um, yeah. If I can just jump in for a second. Sure. I was listening in. Uh, money, when it comes to the crypto market, is incredibly important. There would be no hive if we didn't have monetary incentives for witnesses to 
be block producers to provide the infrastructure that we have. So money is incredibly important. Money brings in attention to Hive. It lists us much higher on the, you know, coin market cap, coin gecko. It brings in developers. It brings in users. So money, attention from people that have money. We can we can speak about you know changing the world, about you know these amazing features we have, what we're trying to do. That is all fine. That is part of our ideology. That's who we are. But we also have to focus on the market side of things. And right now, we're not doing that. We're, we haven't been doing that all along. And even some projects right now that are humanitarian in nature that we could be using to grab attention to, to our chain, we aren't utilizing that to the maximum of our ability because, well, we're saying money isn't important. We're helping people. Okay, let's help people, but let's start to look into the market side of things a bit more, which we are not doing right now. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, I see Eric's got his hand up here. I do need to run, so if you have any last things uh, that you want to ask me before I leave. Uh, I'm pretty good. I think you had a really good um, uh, description of what you're doing there. I appreciate all the work the VSC is doing. I'm looking forward to seeing it come out. And it will certainly give us another edge on the narrative that we need to have. That's for sure. Yeah. I also want to address uh, Lord Butterfly's comment. Um, what would be the biggest obstacle for VSC adoption Hive? What would be the biggest criticism you expect from the community? Um, I'm actually not quite sure yet. Um, it's uh, generally from everyone that I've talked to, it's seen as a positive thing, uh, especially considering a lot of people use Hive Engine. Um, even though it does have a, a lot of problems um, and obviously a lot of people complaining about that, but people do use Hive Engine already, which is kind of a sort of smart contract platform and VSC would just be the successor to that. Uh, so I, I don't, so far I haven't seen a lot of resistance to it um, and I don't foresee any issues in the future, but you know, we'll see. I appreciate that. Uh, Eric, you want to come in? Yeah, sorry, I have to. I had to drop from the speaker panel for a second, but I just want to say that <clears throat> I'm a huge believer of uh, VSC. We are actually running a uh, test node with the town hall witness. We definitely need a different option for layer two and smart contracts. Uh, I'm gonna say it open. Hive engine is not great. Uh, so yeah, much luck for that. Uh, with with that. Voltec and I just want to mention that uh, Matt you have been speaking about what's the next narrative and, and asking the audience to come up with ideas there's this book uh, that I read a couple of years ago it's called The Theory of 1000 True Fans and it, it stems from the, from the rising of all these social media and how you only need thousand people who support you with 10 bucks a month to actually make a great living for yourself for creators for for artists for people who are providing value in some sort of way uh, and and one thing that i mentioned to call today this morning was we are running with or we are running through or with or in models that were designed by uh, Larimer and Scott seven years ago in the in a backdoor garage uh, 
and and the fact that we call people who support you curators and that we call people who vote your posts and who allocate inflation emissions uh, from the blockchain to you to your account we call them curators I think that is such a misleading term and I think that we should call them supporters and the way that this works and the way that this could be a narrative I'm not saying it will be the the main narrative but we could uh shape this into the next narrative in the attention economy where everyone in social media is fighting for the same user surveys you have corporate accounts uh trying to meme their way into their user base you have government accounts trying to connect with with uh with their citizens and and the thing is we are calling our supporters for example i made a post yesterday on x and i posted it on twitter uh, on on hive as well it made 115 bucks and it got like 8000 views it was a video on how to get started on new, in leo <clears throat> and the thing is i don't call these people who voted my post my curators they are supporting me maybe they they don't care about the content they care about the person behind maybe they care about the quality maybe they care about the content itself but in the end they are supporting me and we we tend to slash the 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 author rewards or the post rewards in half half of that goes to the author 50% of the other part goes to the curators but what if we shift this into a creators economy where the creator is able to allocate emissions to the supporters through inflation so you are you are using the same concept the the emissions are 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 allocated through votes but instead of using the the narrative of yes yeah, so the author gets 50 and the other and the other 50 goes to the curators no you can just say Okay, so the author made a hundred dollars, and in 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 with the concept of value for value that actually Dan really likes to 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 push, and I'm I'm one of the believers of of the value for value concept. You could say, okay, the author is making a hundred, but he's giving to the supporters fifty percent. So it's not the curators, it's not the voters who are giving. To the voters itself, them, them themselves, uh, the other fifty percent. No, it's the author who is yielding to the supporters fifty percent of what he makes. So now you have a full economy where creators are sharing that revenue with their supporters, and then you have this whole creator e economy where you are not just creating yeah. content. To get views on X, no, you are creating content to share what you earn with the people who support you. So it's I, in the back end, it's the same. Nothing would change, but the framing would change. So if I made 115 yeah. bucks, no, I made 60, 57.5, uh, and I shared 57.5 with the people who are supporting me. So the 1,000 creator economy works both for me and for my supporters 
I don't know. It's just an idea that I just uh, came up with it ten, ten yeah, minutes so ago. It's almost like the front ends. The front ends could do a quick calculation to show that instead of it being 115 books, it was 67.5 for you and 67.5 for your supporters. And I think that the, the, the reason this has happened is because when they first set up Steam, uh, Larimer and Scott had a, an idea to use social media as a Trojan horse to distribute the token. Well, I think now we've moved far beyond that. We've moved, we've moved a long way beyond that. And now, we, now we're really supporting projects that we like, supporting projects that create value for the community. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think that's a key distinction. I, I would fully agree with what you're saying there to change it to. Yeah, I like just like most of the, uh, I just like most of the names that originally came, like Proof of Brain and all these things. They don't describe them, and they're very obscure. Mm-hmm. And you're right; you can frame these things and make the same. It's the same thing, but it's viewed much better. I always thought we could have done a, a better job with Hive accounts as well, and. The framing of those and um, yeah, so yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just if we want to get adopted, we need to be salesmen, and salesmen don't come and say, "Hey, here's this pen that that will never erase itself." No, they say, "Here, here's this pen that will give you status." Here's this pen. like it's the same here. We have the concepts, but we yeah. have been selling them in a wrong way for seven yeah. years. So we just need to reframe them. But yeah. another problem that I want to address, and Dan, you are probably the best person to address it to. I don't, I don't understand why we don't have top 20 witnesses out of two or three that are active. Why they are always so shut down into their, their uh, foundations or their beliefs, for example, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, so X is cool and all of that, but I don't, I don't go to X because I don't want to support Web2. And, and we should change that because a lot of people are speaking from their, their high horses and saying, oh, no, I only do Hive. But yeah, but we need Web2. And what is it with Hivers or stakeholders, big stakeholders or, or witnesses that they don't go out of Hive and say, oh, okay, like... Imagine having this same conversation with Gandalf, block trades, uh, I don't know, a lot of people in the top 20 or a lot of people in the, in the, in the top 30 of stakeholding people on Hive. Having this conversation, there's, there's so much knowledge, there's so much things to learn from these people, but you either go on chain and, and hear it from them or read it from them, but I mean, if we want Web2 to, to hear about Hive, I don't know, man. We need to push all of these people who are important people, who know stuff, who can teach a lot. Like, for example, Gandalf could, could kick anyone's ass on any Web3 spaces speaking about uh, real blockchain technology, but he doesn't. So how can we get these people, these Hivers who matter, to actually promote the blockchain. One of the things I like about Hive's consensus is if you got all 20 in a room and you you know, force them there for a few hours, it'd probably be a brawl. Um, it's good to have radical different ideolo- ideologies, people who disagree. Um, obviously, you have a common ground there, but people have different viewpoints. Um, I agree that it, it would be better to get more content, regard you know, regardless if it's on X, it could just be from their home computer or video, and then we could share it for them. Um, you know, some people are hardcore, um, but you know, you can't 
can't force anyone to do anything. You just kind of have an open discussion. Um, if you feel like a witness who's in the top 20 isn't giving enough information, even on chain or in any kind of manner, then yeah, I encourage, you know, that the great thing about Hive is you can poke, you can add them, you can write posts, you can you know, kind of knock on their door. Um, but a lot of them, you know, coders, different types of personalities, super introverts, you know, it's hard to, um, what seems easy for, for some of us might be, you know, much more difficult for these people. And then of course you have some who are just completely anonymous. Um, so it's hard to get them on spaces, but, um, maybe they can join Leo threads, you know, at least, uh, be a part of the conversation in text form. Um, I just like to say, Eric, what you're saying here, I think about the, um, the re rewording of the terming, I think is very important. Dan and I have been calling proof of brain. We want to call it incentivized stakeholder distribution because that's what it is. We want to change um, proof of stake to unparametered coin voting because that's what it is. And we want to change delegated proof of stake to parametered coin voting. I think curators to supporters would be interesting. I think changing the name of a Hive account, like Dan just suggested, would be really interesting. So instead of calling it a Hive account, which is a completely nondescript term, we would call it something like uh, an immutable text soul account. Soulbound soul NFT. NFT. Yeah. Or your, your Web3 digital <laughs> identity. Yeah. It's, it's like, so, yeah. oh man, accounts there cost money. You say, we have soulbound accounts that are NFTs. Mm -hmm. you know? so. you constantly say these things. It, it builds a narrative. Right. Yeah, and, and then you can piggyback right that digital identity term and say, yes, this digital identity helps you to interact with like to three speak in Leo, pick D, mm -hmm. activate. So it's your your passport to Web3, to real Web3. We, we hear a lot of people speaking about Web3 on X. Just, just, just like, I keep going back to Frentech, but Frentech rode the social fine narrative and, and made millions of dollars and all they had was transactions on blockchain and everything else was on private servers that's not real web 3 like come web on 2 .5. We, yeah i mean we have real web 3 and if we 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 manage to reframe all of these terms these these dinosaur just, terms and get just saying use it just saying will real web 3 the word the term real web 3 puts a thought in people's mind like why are these guys saying real web 3 it's like because it is you know but most of the stuff isn't and it's and then it's like well what criteria what you what you're saying will red, real web 3 4 what does it mean and then they can go and research it maybe we put a page somewhere that explains the difference between real web 3 and web 2.5 yeah we could do a lot a lot better at these things for sure completely agree um all right, any other thoughts from people in the room before we go on to what the narratives could be? Okay, so I've been noting down a couple of narratives, but maybe if, if, if any of the speakers in the room can just go through the comments and see where people have written the word narrative, and we'll give people an upvote uh, if they've put a narrative comment in. So if you start your comment with narrative and give us a narrative. The first one that I saw, I've got to try and find it here, but it was from Taskmaster, and he said a really good narrative would be come and post your pictures of boobs, and the bigger the boobs are, the bigger the upvotes. <laughs> So that was a good start, Taskmaster. <laughs> oh, there always is, yeah. taking it out of the box. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says, post your boobs and get rewarded. The bigger the boobs, the bigger the rewards. <laughs> That's far from basket weaving. It's, yeah, what happened to you, Taskmaster? You were a basket weaver. What happened? 
Um, all right, let's go through. Uh, there's, there's a buzz thread here uh, from Manny Man says narrative following the right path on your social connections. It's moral, morally superior not to rely on corporate tech for communication. Being part of Web3 Social is the best way to learn everything blockchain related. Yeah, Dan and I have said a lot, you know, it, sh- it, should, it should be uncool to use someone else's infrastructure to run your social media. If you're using YouTube, it's not cool. It's weak. You know, so one of the things that we've always talked about is approaching individual content creators and saying to them, hey, dude, like, how the hell? It's not cool to be standing over there talking about how you got free speech, but you're on Rumble. Like, it doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. You haven't got free speech. You've got ordained free speech. It's not cool to be on Twitter saying, oh, Elon, thanks, Elon Musk. It's <laughs> Thanks, Elon Musk, for giving me free speech. It's like, dude, that is not cool. That is weak. Especially when the technology that exists is uh, is there, it's there to preserve your free speech, right? We can use this technology to prefer, preserve our free speech. Now, at the same time, I fully appreciate we can't go to people and expect a narrative to prevail where we criticise them. But certainly, call, we, we should be thinking about calling some of these people out and saying, well, how are you providing free speech? How have you got free speech, really, if you don't run your own infrastructure or if your community doesn't run your infrastructure for you, right? And it's these types of narratives that we need to start thinking about, for sure. Um, if, if I can just respond sure. quickly to that suggestion um some of you might know i worked on marketing on hive for a good year in total a couple of years ago um and i talked to a lot of influencers to a lot of content creators um and almost specifically all of them 100 percent of them don't care about anything that they're presenting outwards and even when it came to people on hive content creators of Hive that had large YouTube followings, that had large Twitter followings, not not a single one of them wanted to help to promote Hive, to promote this ideology idea without being handsomely paid. And if they don't have the following, it's they're not worth talking to. And if they do, we don't have the funds to cover them. So uh, pushing this narrative, I don't think uh, about presenting this idea of free speech towards content creators, I don't think that will work ever. We just don't have the funds for it. What we can do is find something that we personally, me, you, we can get witnesses, we can get those smartest guys to talk about this stuff. It's 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 on us dumb guys here in the spaces on Web 2 that aren't tied completely to Web 3 or to Hive to, to present these narratives that will work, that people care about to them where they care about it, where they're talking about it. I don't want to go back to what I said before, but I don't think working with content creators or directly approaching them will ever work. That's my experience. No, I'm not, so I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting that. Let's be very clear here. I'm just saying that, you know, it should be a phrase in passing that you're, you're saying, you know, the ideology that we have here is what it's weak. It's weak to have your own web too. You know, I'm not saying that should be the prevailing narrative for Hive. I'm just making a point. Sure. I, I'm just saying they don't care. It's, it's all... Look, it's, it's, there's so they much should BS care, they, should, they should be made to They care, should. Yeah. They, absolutely, they should, but they don't. If you have a fat wallet, they will care what the person with the fat wallet says. Mm-hmm. That, that's yeah. how they, these content creators and influencers work. Unfortunately, that is the case. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that we should... See, this is an interesting point because it's like, as Benjamin was saying earlier as well, there's a whole Web2 audience out there that aren't on, on, on in this world yet. And it's like, well, should we be... Because I think we've got to the point where a lot of the existing content creators are so desperate for the fat wallet that they compromise their own principles. And that's going to start to show at some point. 
right? As the system cr comes down on them and, and, and starts restricting them, the very system that they enjoyed and said was wonderful, they're going to look like idiots. So then the question is, well, should we even be going for any of these influencers that are out there already? You know, certainly the big ones. At which point it's like, well, yeah, it's, it is fair game to criticize them, especially the ones in, in, in blockchain, because they're all on Web 2.5 and they don't seem to know it conveniently because they're chasing the fat wallets. I mean, you remember what happened when YouTube started, you know, deplatforming the, the blockchain YouTube guys. Um, they all started crying when they were reinstated. It was as, as it were before. Nobody even attempted to move to Hive. Even when we were screaming at the top of our lungs, come here, we, we can offer you this. We can offer everything you had there. Uh, but we're, you know, you were lacking free speech. We're lacking the, the deplatforming aspect not existing on on this social media. They were talking about it. Nobody cared. They didn't want to come. So I, I just don't think any of them that proclaim these values actually believe them. I haven't sure. seen a single person that was truthful about about it. Maybe a few. Maybe a few that that still follow Hive uh on twitter on on youtube they're still post three speak but behind besides that the bigger guys they're just chasing the wallet that that is it i mean from what i've seen yeah there's the difference between content creators and that that can make content and they do it for fun and people who need need to make content um we had a flash in the pan with um i can't remember the exact name of the doctor but um, over the whole you know covid vaccine um, he used three speak, a link went up and I think, you know, we got hundreds of thousands of views really quickly. Um, and then, you know, he started to use the rumble and all this that he might not have been hip to act the actual technology, but that's the thing. Paid content creators, this whole flash in the pan. It seems like every year there's a new breed of them. Um, they're not lasting because nobody cares about them because they get old and irrelevant very quickly because they're, you know, if you're only doing it for the money, and there's no passion behind it. But there's people out there that actually have something to say. And they need to say it. And they're serious about it. And they have large followings. And they're growing powerful. Um, X has unlocked an opportunity uh, temporarily where um, you know these people are able to say things and grow large followings. And they're serious about their freedom of speech. Um, so... You know, yeah, trying to go after the shills, you know, the people who are paid shills. I don't you know, that's whatever. Um, and I honestly believe that the people who really need freedom of speech are going to find hot because you actually have, you know, if you care about something. It takes a little bit of research and then you try every little thing. So I think um, there's definitely going to be a time when Rumble and the rest go down and there's going to be Hive because, you know, that can only happen so many times. And Hive's still around, Three Speaks still around, the apps are still around. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, I'm going to start going to some of the narratives in a second, but uh, we've got Rez, Rez Rengifo, hiring Web3. Um, Bez, that's me, Bez. All right, Bez. So can you give us uh, some thoughts on a narrative for Hive? I actually, um, that was my question because I came in halfway through and then I was driving and I lost signal a couple of times. So my question is, why are we chasing a narrative? And then I may have some thoughts. I just want to make sure um, put the conversation in context. Well, I think for me, the, the conversation really came about because of Lord Butterfly's um, comments on Twitter. And I think that came about because of what we've seen happen to Coinos. And the logical conclusion is that Coinos has clearly pursued a very clear narrative 
and that is what's got them into the limelight. And so the question is, well, can we do something similar for Hive? Is there, is there a narrative we should be following? Maybe, maybe there should be a narrative. Maybe because Hive is vast and there are so many different narratives that it can get a little bit disjointed. So maybe the answer to this question is, no, we should be following a narrative. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I was actually thinking that in the back of my head. Um, it's a good point. Like this whole talk of a narrative is good for a marketing, marketing strategy, and I'm not against that. Like I said, don't leave anything off the table. But, you know, there is no narrative for these people who use HBD and they're going to continue to use it. And there's no narrative for people who really need freedom of speech. They just use it. Um, it's the same with Bitcoin, right? Like people use Bitcoin. It became valuable. It is what it is. Um, so, you know, we have something very, very useful here. And we're on the tip of actually doing smart contracts in a correct manner. Um, so there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon Give it a narrative if you want to, but it's coming, it's spreading, it's value for value. Every day the network is growing, it's growing, it's growing. So you can call it what you want. Um, and I think it's important to people to be passionate about what they think it is and spread that message because it has many uses. Yeah, I think it's it's very hard to follow everything that's going on on Hive as well because you have to dedicate a certain amount of your attention and time to be able to keep on top of everything. But the, the cool thing about Hive here is, you know, it's obviously, I think some people are a little bit dejected by the fact that Coinos did really, really well recently. Um, but the, the thing is, like, if you take a look back at the last seven years of Hive, it just hasn't stopped building. People just haven't stopped building. So the thing that's going to happen is these, these things are going to come to fruition. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of negative detractors in that side. You know, people, I see a lot of people saying, oh, you know, people building on Hive are just trying to take money out of Hive. Some people, there's a little bit better accountability needed, uh, I would agree. But I think generally the people building on Hive are actually building real stuff uh, and it's really coming to fruition. You know, like we're going to have community tokens in the very near future and it's going to be off chain. It's going to be, we're going to be able to drop to different communities. Um, we're going to have smart contracts. You know, the onboarding situation is getting very slick now. It's not perfect yet, but we're nearly there. Um, these are all really, really powerful tools that have been worked on for a number of years, and they're finally coming to fruition. And once we've got those tools in place, the narratives might well build themselves. You know. Yes, um, I, I, you know, it's interesting just following the conversation because, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. I consider myself a normie. I got on, you know, it was my twenty-something-year-old son that got me into it when he's been doing it since 2017 in the DeFi space. And I've learned a lot from him. You know, and a lot of people um, say, oh, you know, you get this utility, you get that utility. You know, I, I tell folks, you know, the best utility I ever got, you know, now I'm cool to my son. We talk every day, you know, that's, that's, that's big plus for me. You know, I'm cool to him. And, um, but besides the point is that uh, if you talk to your normie friends, you know, and you start talking to them about anything in Web3 or any component of it, you know, they either say, get away from me or their eyes roll back or, hey, quit trying to scam me, right? It's not a positive interaction, you know. And if you look at the Rogers adoption model, like, you know, where we at in this whole space, I truly think we're still at the innovation space. Uh, stage, which is like the first stage. And everyone's talking, oh, we're early adopters. No, you're not even at early adopter stage. So why are we trying to chase a narrative when, hey, let's just, you know, 
put our heads down and build something good. So when the normies come, like it could be like swiping a credit card. It's like they're operating in Web3 like they were in Web2 because right now it's too many steps. The UI is not that great in many space. In it's 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 extra. You know, I go uh, and I'm just going to talk outside of Hive, but if I go use another crypto and I go to the um, you know at a baseball game and I go buy a hot dog and beer, you know, say it'll be twenty bucks. Oh, but hang on, the the gas fees or the transaction fees is going to be forty bucks. But hang on, wait another five minutes. It might go down three bucks. You know. <laughs> That's not going to really... You'll wait five minutes for the transactions to clear. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, why are we chasing a narrative when let's just build something that's going to be really, really good 10 years down the road? Because I don't think, you know, in talking to a, a financial a friend of mine who's working for those big, like JP Morgan Chase and all this, like, look, right now, they said, crypto, blockchain is a fringe technology. Like cannabis, hallucinogens, blah blah blah. So you can't bank, you know, whatever you, you're not regulated, you know, and they just throw a whole bunch of things. They say, you know, once we get past that hump, you're going to see trillions of dollars pour into market cap. Now there are like the bitcoins and hives. To me, they're they're the only ones I know because I'm a big skeptic when someone says decentralization, and I start asking a series of questions like, no. You're not decentralized. It's 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 a figment of your imagination. And don't talk to me about DAOs because that's just an LLC. <laughs> now you now you have a management structure. You definitely aren't de decentralized. And me and Shadows Pub has gone back and forth of this. I even said, "Hey, who supplies your power?" You know, but I, I'm not going to get that granular. But I think if we chase a narrative. It's just like any of those software companies. You ever heard the term vaporware? Anybody ever heard that term? Sure, sure. Okay. What happens to those people? Those companies sometimes get destroyed because they can't deliver on their promise. And I'm talking enterprise-grade software that's been around, and then they go promise something to big business, and it's just vaporware. I mean, their name gets destroyed, and uh, they have a hard time recovering Let's not follow that example. You know, I'm, I don't know. So chasing a narrative right now sounds a little bit too premature. Just my humble opinion. <laughs> and um, I, I love what I see in Hive. I'm still a normie. But uh, I don't know. I think the people, you know, I've heard some people, it's like some people will come. They'll hear that it's, you know, censorship free. Yeah, yeah I think that's a big deal for a lot of people these days. And... You know, when the Ukraine war started, you know, I'm a, I love the humanitarian side because I'm a Rotarian. So uh, I did projects with, you know, global grants with people, you know, a Rotary Club in Ukraine, Rotary Club of Kiev. And um, I, immediately when it started, I called my friends, are you okay? Um, the news cycle was, Twitter was a lot uh, or, uh, up to speed. News cycle was always 12, 24 hours behind. But what I found out is when we wanted to send them money and I said, look, I can gather other Rotary clubs and we can help you out. But if we send money to your bank, can you withdraw it? They said, let me go see. Do, they took them two or three days. They said they couldn't. Do, they do said, you oh. know that Hive, Hive 
supported, uh, I think he put about thirty-five, dollars $40,000 into Ukraine to help with uh, delivery of packages. That's awesome. Um, there's a See, project that was started up there, yeah. And, and the people I, knew a local exchange. They could cash out into local currency and pay for things. And it's on, it's, it's on the chain. I, and, and that's what I love about this world is that when when the banks can even, you can't even access your money, the only way you can actually move some type of currency is through the blockchain. And and that, you know, is useful because do you think that's going to be the last war? Do you see what's going on right now in the Middle East? I mean, I think, um, you know, when the average person around the world makes a dollar ninety a day, you know, a dollar is a big deal in a lot of places. You know, so we may not think so in some of the developed countries, but this is very transformative to many people. Like some... some some people play games in their country and they make more of a living there than they could do, you know, a doctor in their own country. Right. So, uh, yeah, I just my, my thing is, you know, I'd love to see Hive build such awesome stuff that when the normies are ready, that it's really seamless. And I can go buy that Dodger dog and it costs the 20 bucks with the beer attached to it. And I'm not going to have to pay really anything extra. So. I'll just land it there. Thanks. Um, what I'd like to say is being relevant in the wider crypto story isn't mutually exclusive with building great things on Hive. I, I don't think it is. Um, I, I consider myself quite a patient individual. Some might disagree. And I was in my late 20s when we were talking about bringing SMTs to Steam. And then smart contracts came and they became a norm on most blockchains. And SMTs were still coming. We were still building. And then, you know, stable coins came. They became a thing. Luna became a thing. And we were not part of that narrative either. Just, you know, until a couple of months ago did Dan and Matt start pushing that story, trying to get us in, into the narrative of stable coins with larger accounts, LOP being one of them. Uh, most recently. So I, I, I don't want to be in my mid-40s until Hive becomes relevant in the crypto market. I don't think we have to wait that long. I don't think we have to wait 10 years, wait for normies or communities or be fun and cool with sending a few tokens between each other because $1 is a lot in Venezuela or somewhere else. Let's be relevant. Let's work on that. Let's create this narrative. Let's be part of the wider crypto story. Let's be relevant. That is the, the, the point of all this. And we can become relevant if we adjust to the market. And I think the features we have, the features we're bringing forward, the things we are building, that will interest people. And yeah, so that's what I just want to add on. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I just say that, you know, that thirst to be you know, chase a narrative that maybe, and like I said, I'm not in the trenches with you guys. So, but chasing a narrative just to be trendy, I, it can be dangerous. That's all I'm saying. Sure, sure. I mean, features on Hive, something that we find of value, that can be what you're saying, Chase. I don't think it's chasing. I think we need to be relevant. And we do that by adjusting to the, the wider narrative. Smart contracts have been here for a long time. That's just one things maybe hbd can be stablecoin narrative can be something we chase let's say but something has to be as we have to focus on something so that, that's basically my contention all right so i'm, I'm going to go through some of the narratives that we've discussed in the show some of the things that people have mentioned um as part of the leo thread in the the, the 
buzz thread. So first one that was mentioned was community tokens. I feel like that's coming and I feel like we could build a lot of excitement around communities and giving them more sovereignty. Um, second one was paying BTC invoices with stable coins. I think that, that was really interesting. I mean, I've been to Venezuela recently and Guatemala and there's a lot of lightning um, payment capabilities. And with V for V app, it's very useful to pay, pay invoices in lightning. And the idea that you can blog and earn this currency with no KYC and it's stable and it clears instantly and it's zero fees and then you can go buy stuff with it is is quite a quite an interesting narrative and there's no way any of the chain's gonna come up with something like that. That's for sure. And so I don't you know, I think that's quite an interesting one to focus on maybe. Um immutable text storage layer. Um I mean this is a big one that just isn't anywhere down and um Benjamin were talking about it earlier. It's it's not that easy for normal people to understand why that's important, but it's a big deal, and a lot of other chains can't achieve that. Immutable text storage layer. Feeless smart contracts. Fee, I should say feeless scalable smart contracts. Um, that was the narrative from Voltec and VSC project. Hold on. Um, hive bonds and loans we've spoken at length about hive bonds and uh, don't spend your and some um i think it was edwin that was saying don't spend your btc take a hive loan out and spend hbd instead so there's definitely like a liquidity thing there where people already um put their btc into some form of centralized contracts and receive liquid fiat or maybe there's a system where we can get people to deposit their btc in a vsc smart contract system and get some hbd for it as a liquid loan so you can spend HBD. Um, another one was get paid for storing other people's content. So of course I'm going to do a, a plug of the speak network. Um, it's the only way that you can store other people's IP, IPFS content and get rewarded for it. And it's the only way another company can write their own contracts to get other people to store their content and reward them for it. Um, the system's non KYCable. So it, it is literally its own separate economy. Um, it's not possible to shut it down. And then um, Sunika mentioned onboarding businesses, that we should focus on businesses, which is a big deal. And I agree, you know, we really can help a lot of businesses. Um, and then the last one there from, Rez, which, from Bez, which was quite interesting, was no narrative at all. Um, so I'd, I'd be interested to just go around the speakers and get your thoughts on any of those. Um, do you even think there's one that we should focus on? Have we missed something? Um, what do you think we should do next? Let's start with Lil Butterfly. Be interested to hear your thoughts. Um, do you mean the practical side of things, how we can approach this? Or I didn't Yeah, I mean, I mean from, from the list that I just read out... Um, mm. Is there anyone that you want to focus on? Is there anything that you think we should do? Um, from the conversation that you've had today, is there anything that you think we should do? Do you think we should have no narrative at all? Or No, I thinking? don't. <laughs> no, I completely disagree with the no narrative at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah uh, what, what, basically, so what do you think is hard? Do you think community tokens are hard? Do you think paying BTC invoices with stable coins is hard? Do you think immutable mm -hmm. tech storage layer is hard? Feeless scalable smart contracts is hard? Hive bonds and loans... Um, getting paid for storage, storing other people's content, non-KYCable, not possible to shut down, onboarding other businesses, or no narrative at all. I guess there yeah, could be so, other things. 
Yeah, what I would say is let's focus on the the simplest simplest thing. You, you started with with Dan uh, the narrative about high having a stable coin, high APR, HBD. We can continue with that. That works. That worked in the past. That that is working. That's going to work in the future. All we have to do when it comes to practicality, choose a space. Go on Twitter if they're talking about stable coins. Go on there, present the case for Hive, and we we got that narrative covered. Uh, when it comes to smart contracts, feel like smart contracts, you have to have a basis before you you go out outside of Hive. You first have to make it become the reality for Hivers, just like HBD is or HP or whatever voting witnesses or stuff like that. As I said before, um, we can do that if VSC VSC is the smart contract platform that will work, that will be adopted, that will be accepted by the community. We drive that awareness into their minds. And from there, you have all these voices pushing in the same direction. Then, because these are markets that investors focus on, that users focus on, that Web3, I'll put that in quotation marks because I don't believe there are many Web3 blockchains outside of Hive. Okay, maybe I'm a maxi in that regards. But let's disagree that for a minute. Then you can go into these, uh, focus on these markets, focus on those investors that actually want to talk about about these things. Then you present our features, our transactions, our TPS, all of that with all these voices following you, behind you, uh, confirming everything you're saying. That's how you get attention. That's how you bring in users, bring in developers to your smart contracts platform. That's how you grow. A lot of these chains, the way they grew in the beginnings, how Solana did it, how Tron did it, you had a group of developers at the beginning that basically copied their own dApps, uh, you know, a dozen times, just renamed them, rebranded them, and that, you know, built these smart contract platforms uh, and showcased that they have application, they have users. We don't have to do that. But we have to showcase to people that this is something where you where you can build, that we have this community of people that's been here for a long time, that's committed, that's supporting this blockchain, and that there is an open-ended answer to the question, where is this going? Can this grow? And that answer is something that these people that would come, that would see you speak, that would hear about Hive, that is something that you have to make them uh, answer themselves. When you have that open-ended question, then there is room to grow. So that that is how I, I would approach things from the practical side of, you know, talking about a narrative. Do you do you think that we should follow all of these narratives then, and be well versed in all of them? And anytime we see them on Twitter or any other place, we 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 have a place we can go and refer to and bring up relevant points as to why that's important, where it's going, and how Hive solves that problem. I mean, speaking to people directly, going on spaces like this, will or you know, going to conferences that are related that we are doing. This isn't the only thing you can do when it comes to spreading the narrative of Hive. Um, that beats out 100 comments, 200 comments. It, it's simply not as relevant as actually going to them and speaking to them. So I, I would focus on the speaking part, especially since Twitter is so important for you know the blockchain industry, for the whole ecosystem. So speaking to them, talking to them. Um, I would not try to spread all the the narratives at once because there simply is there is no market for it we have to look where the market is what is current what is let's not call it hot what is relevant to investors first focus on that and all these other things 
that come after the, the human rights chain, the humanitarian work. We can add that as a bonus after they're here and hooked on whatever they were interested in the first place. Mm-hmm. Okay, clear. Uh, Eric, you see you got your hands up now. Yeah, so to address a little bit of what Bez uh, said, I don't think we are changing a narrative. I think that if you take this to business 101, you have to have a brand, then you have to build some branding, and then you have to be consistent with that branding. And a lot of blockchains out there, and Web2 companies, and even uh, like normal companies, Walmart, uh, Target, Amazon, all these, these companies know one thing. They have a value proposition they create a branding uh, around that value proposition and then they ride that wave until it's not relevant enough. So I don't think we we are chasing that narrative. I think we are just trying to find what is the best narrative to build a brand around it that, that is relevant for Hive, that we have a use case for that, that we have a value proposition around that. And based on that, we have to be a sending a cohesive message of what Hive offers. So just, just like all of these options that were mentioned in the threadcast, in the debus thread, uh, from the speakers, I think all of them are valid. What I do think that we should focus on is what is, as Lord Butterfly said, what is hot, what can Hive actually solve, and how do we want to brand Hive? I think... Uh, Crimson Clad was very involved in the in the branding of, of choosing a name, a color, uh, like all of these brand assets. But now we need to take the marketing of the brand in a consistent way from all of the people who are vocal. As, as uh, Dan said, not everyone is vocal, not everyone is extroverted, not everyone feels comfortable going to conferences, to speaking with speaking with a uh, hundred people in, in a day, uh, speaking on spaces, etc. But those who are, or those who feel comfortable doing that. Sorry, this is Mexico. There's always dogs around. Uh, but yeah, that's He, that's he wants to have his say as well, uh, Eric, I think. I think he's got an idea for narrative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's branding and, and then just do it. So the thing that I think should be the branding or the narrative that we should write, it should be the social aspect and just reframe. And I just mentioned it uh, this 30 minutes ago. We should just reframe what we already have, what we already know, what we work with perfectly. If we try to go to smart contracts, it's going to take us a while, at least six months until VSC is up and, and, and running, no bugs. If we try to go with with uh, complex um concepts it's going to be hard i think we should just stick to social media but frame it correctly that's that's something like social social web3 maybe honestly we have the assets we have the concepts we just need to reframe them just just like you mentioned instead of uh, proof of brain you could have uh the i don't remember the term that that incentivized stakeholder distribution yeah yeah exactly like like just write those concepts that we have but frame them correctly so that the normal like for example that name i wouldn't agree with it at all because 
99% of the people will not remember it. I would just go with simple terms, uh, go with with uh, concepts that, that resonate with people, and then just write the social media aspect in a simple way, in a cohesive way, and, and just send the same message everyone. Because if in one space we mention proof of brain, in the other one we mention value for value, if in the other one we mention supporters, in the other one we mention curators, etc., etc., it, it's going to be hard. One thing that all of these uh, companies, uh, Web2 companies and, and, and normal companies do is that they have a simple, strong and, and consistent message. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, I see Benjamin's got his hand up here. Sorry, you know, I had to say something. Um, so I was just thinking about this as Lord Butterfly and everyone was talking. I realized there's a generational gap here. I'm in my early 50s, and I remember when you had to walk in and explain to someone what an email account was and why they need a website for their business. And this is the same concept. Why do you need a website for your business? Well, there's 20 different reasons you need a website for your business. There's 20 different reasons your website needs to be online. It's the same thing with why do we need to use Hive? What is Hive good for? 20 different things. So it absolutely has to be focused on your audience. And to Dan's point earlier, there's many different strategies for that. And I talk about this all the time. I see the same adoption of this technology as we did in the late 80s, early 90s with the internet. And these younger generation that's involved, which I love them to death, they don't have the historical reference to understand this movement we're going through. And they've got the energy of youth where they don't have the patience six months till smart contracts come online. Yeah, that's really quick in a developmental cycle. So we got to think about what you really want. You want investors, you want developers. I can bring on developers. When our project launches, I've got 10 game companies lined up. You want investors? I'll buy $500,000 in Hive this next year. The price will go up for you. So either think about how we want to present it and the market we're talking to and be very focused on their needs if it's a Web3 guy from Solana that's never going to listen to you, ignore him, move on to the next person, or worry about your own desires on the chain. But be perfectly honest what your goals are and be patient. That's all. Cheers. Appreciate that. I see Bez has got his hand up. Yeah. Um, so my uh, thought of no narrative is just one thought. So let me clarify that. And <laughs> I have other thoughts too. And and many of what you guys have shared um actually resonates with me, you know, so by all means, um, the no narrative, uh, I mean, when you have no narrative, someone else will give you the narrative, right? They'll fill it in for you because of that vacuum. So, um, but I, I do agree with Benjamin on a, a few things. Let me, and let me just put this question out in order for hive to survive. What does it need? What's the most important thing in order to it to be sustainable? I mean, uh to be fair from a fundamental point of view it's network effect the whole thing works on onboarding users okay. uh, because the more users you onboard the more competition there is for resource credits uh, okay. between the apps and between the individual users so it's 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 numbers okay so that i heard someone say the word investor it might have been uh or butterfly so that would trump investors is am i correct no, actually, the, the, the most important thing is that the price of Hive doesn't drop below that is sustainable for witnesses to run their nodes. That is the failure point for Hive. So in order to not get to that failure point, what are you going to need? I mean, I, I've been talking about it for the last couple of hours. Um, and it's not just because of that, for it not, not to fail. 
but we want this technology, this ideology to be relevant. That's how we do it. We yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's about a failure thing here. There isn't, there isn't a thing like how does Hive survive? Like this is, this is how does Hive choose the correct narrative? I, I, don't, I don't think there's a problem with Hive surviving here. We've been around for so many years now. Um, I, okay, so th maybe my next question would be if, if survivability is good and, you know, no matter what, we're, we're good, then what's, your, what's the one asset or the one thing you do really, really well that uh, you in the trenches feel really confident in that you would shout from the mountaintops? I mean, there's so many things. It's, pick is, one. Pick, 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 just, just pick one because... I've been asking. I mean, to, to me, it's community tokens. That's that's what it's going to be for me. Other people okay. will disagree, though, for sure. Well, I, I guess the then I, my my whole thing would be, if the community can decide what is that one thing, and you're able to articulate that to the external side, right? Then you have a consistent message because on the marketing side, you know what they say is if you confuse, you lose, right? So if if there's one thing you can pick that, and and you may have lots of features. That's what we're saying, trying to do here. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, because it's really you know like let's say you do a lot of things well. It's really it's it's easy or it's it's you can get drawn into like share all the things you do well, and then. But you miss that opportunity to start with one. And then as you get known for that, share the other things you do well, right? And and you just take that and leverage the next and leverage the next, right? But um, I don't know the answer. That's why I'm asking the question. But um, hey, I'll just land it there. That's uh, that's my take on it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, all right, let's go around a couple more of the speakers here. Uh, let's have a look. Well, it's actually just really, it's just really done left. So I guess if anyone else has got any summarizing or final thoughts on this, I'd be interested in your, your thoughts. Um, but before we come to that, I'd be interested in Dan's thoughts on what you think a narrative is done, uh, based on what we've chatted about today. Um, and maybe where we could go next to, to follow up from this conversation. Well, I think HPD is incredibly powerful. Um, so for like if we have something that's very very solid that works to like really well that can really make a difference um hpd mm -hmm. but like i said um people are going to whatever people find it most useful for pick what you think it is and um use a little bit of um edwind nor butterflies creativity when it comes to you know getting this out there but you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, what I've been seeing, if I'm just standing back, um, HBD is really making a difference. Yeah, and the other thing is HBD can't be replicated. Well, I mean, it could be, but it's very difficult to replicate. There's no other chain that's got anything like HBD, and certainly there isn't any other chain that's got any protections in place. The problem with HBD, right, this is what you'll always get with these guys is, oh, it's only got a market cap of 50,000 or whatever, or five, seven million. And so, so what we really need to push the narrative of HPD is we, it's a chicken of the egg situation, isn't it, in some ways? We, we need someone to come in, buy a load of Hive and use it as a mechanism to create a ton of HPD. Uh, and so the efforts, if we are going to select HPD as the narrative, then the efforts need to be put behind arranging that deal. And whoever, you know, who do you know that can get that done? 
to, to literally put $3 billion into HBD, into Hive so they can convert to HBD. That's the only way that HBD becomes relevant. I mean, you could argue that we could, we could APR inflate it over time, but it's useful talking about decades to do that. So, yeah, I mean, someone's got to come in and buy a shitload of Hive to create the HBD and then start making use of it. And I guess that's another collective community effort because I doubt anyone knows someone with $3 billion that wants to put it into Hive. Um, but certainly, you know, starting off with a couple of hedge funds, starting off with a couple of people who want to hold some stable value uh, and spend it that can't be shut down in KYC'd, I think is a big deal. Maybe there's an answer in that line of thinking, right? Um, hedge funds actually aren't in a position to, by law, um, take those type of risk, right? A percentage of their funds for high volatile uh, investments. And that's why they send money towards VCs, right? And uh, because... We're not talking about investing in Hive, though. We're talking about investing in stablecoin. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So it's very low risk. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe that's uh, somebody you on board. Or if anybody knows a hedge fund, you know, that's willing to to put in some of their, you know, their capital into the high HBD, right? So I mean, if, if you're going to get anyone to invest a large amount of money into, to use Hive as a mechanism to get hold of HBD, you, you need to have a very good document and a very good case to answer all of the questions that they have to remove all of their doubts. If you have one single question that gets through, they will, um, they'll reject the idea and they'll move away from it. So do, do you, we, do you we, have we need that? to have people who we need to have people and some documents put together that show what HBD is and why it's powerful and why it's a, why why you can use Hive as a mechanism to get into HBD and why that's relatively low risk. No, we don't have it. No. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, maybe that's that's interesting. Um, hey, love where project, this is going. Project for you. Yeah. Best, maybe. <laughs> Hey, hey, um, um, I'll, I can write stuff down <laughs> and I'll figure it out along the way. But anywhere I can help, I'm, I don't even know why I'm up here talking because I'm like a nobody in this space. But uh, you just some thought provoking thoughts made me get up here yeah. and and spit a, a little bit. But anyways, <laughs> no, it's good to, good to hear your thoughts, man. Um, all right. Uh, Benjamin, any final thoughts from you? What, what we should do next and where we should go to? Um, I totally agree with you guys on HBD. I've been pushing all my devs and everyone to use it um, <clears throat> for payments back and forth. Um, and yeah, I just, yeah, that feeless value, right? Value for value. I send you one HBD, you get one HBD. It's such a pow- powerful message. Um, it just doesn't go well in this Web3 crypto world that we're talking about. But I totally agree. Like, and the immutable text is huge for me because I don't want to get much what we're going into, but we finally solved universal items between games. Not this NFT bullshit, but true value for value transfer. And all of our test groups in Gen Z absolutely love it. And there's so much earning potential there. And that's why I talk about the money. Like at some point you say 3 billion. Yeah, but what if we onboard... 2 million this year, then 5 million next year. And then it goes to 50 million. Um, and that's through projects. That's through Gen Z um, bringing on money. Um, 18 year olds, 20 year olds, 21 year olds. They love HBD. They love digital currency. 
And I just don't think they've been attacked or not attacked, but approached. Approached. Yeah. We're going to attack them with HPD. Damn Jarhead talking about attacking people. Um, (laughs) Yeah. We're going to, yeah, they haven't been approached. They haven't had it presented to them correctly. But every time I mention it to them, their eyes light up. Oh, really? Digital currency, digital online, the government can't get involved. Mm -hmm. Um, And anyways, that's where I'm focused. And, And I'm a true believer that, the narrative is right to the right people, but I feel like the Web3 crypto investor hedge fund ETF is not the right market right now. And the reason why everyone's talking about it is because other coins go up, ours go sideways. And people are upset about that. And I'm like, yeah, but give it six months to a year. And six months to a year as you get older doesn't seem as long as it does when you're in your 20s. So <laughs> All <laughs> anyways, right. I'll... That's it. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, Lord Butterfly, any any final thoughts from you on this? Yeah. Um, so just to mention what Eric said um, when he mentioned the narrative of you know decentralized social media changing it a bit so it isn't the same as it was when it when we were under Steam. It. But uh, I'll try to put this in far more simpler terms. If you have one person talking about um, a human rights blockchain, if you have five people talking about stable coins, if you have a hundred people, a group of hundred people talking about fee-less, free, smart contract platforms, and you're building all of these things, you would preferably want to focus on those hundred people because not only will you bring in hundred people, you will indirectly get them to adopt all these other narratives and indirectly all those smaller groups will come along as well. If you choose the group of five people or one person, not only will you not get any of those other guys, any of all all those other groups, you will stagnate and you will remain less relevant than you could be. And all those narratives that you want to push will not be pushed and no one will accept it in any great, you know, adoption rate. So that will be my, my closing um, statement on, let's say, the narrative discussion. Appreciate that. Thank you, man. Uh, Bez, any final thoughts from you? Um, I just think there's a lot of great thoughts on this stage. Um, and I, I, I'll just share something that I saw on my Facebook feed. Yeah, I still use Facebook. Um, my millennial friend, who's a mom, had a was was saying, "Oh my, like my little one." made this house on Roblox. And had I had time to comment, I would have I would have said stop the presses. That's significant. Because that's next, right? That that's that's the market that we eventually we'll be shooting for, right? Is the toddler of our millennial friends who's already in the ecosystem in their games, right? Using it day in and day out. And their mom or dad don't even know that that's actually happening, happening, right? Because, the, you know, they give little Johnny some play money and that gets, you know, they buy some skins, they do this, they do whatever, you know. But uh, I'll just land it there. Uh, I have a hundred thoughts, but I'll just share that last one. Thank you. Yeah. Don, any closing thoughts from you? I just want to thank everyone. It's a good discussion. It's always good to have these different perspectives. Um, 
the good thing is there were a lot of different narratives. Just shows the usefulness of um, Hive. So. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see so many narratives for sure. I feel like with Hive, a lot of things are coming to fruition. Um, people have been saying that for years, but they really are right now. Um, you've got immutable storage for files that are off the blockchain for off-chain storage and how you can get rewarded for them in the Speak Network. You've got the work, the short-form content that projects like Dbuzz and Leo Finance are doing that I think could go absolutely viral. They're individual products of their own. Um, you know, the threads thing and the live threads casts are, are amazing. I hope you've all been commenting. Well, I can see you've all been commenting during the show. It's been nice to see. So I'm happy to reward as many of you as I can. And I hope also Dan's going through and com- voting for a few comments there. Um, Fearless scalable smart contracts is definitely possible on Hive. And that's coming to fruition in the near future. Uh, the idea of social web three, um, the idea of rewriting some of the things that we've we've termed here, some of the terms that we use, like changing a curator into a supporter, for example. I think those are all valuable things. Um, I, I forgot to mention Addicted sent me a message. Addicted couldn't attend today, but he did want to attend. And one of the things that I took from the message he sent was the idea of using bandwidth to transfer value for free, which is effectively what VSC is going to be doing for the off-chain smart contract system. But this idea that on Hive, we, we, we haven't really ever pushed the narrative of we've got bandwidth in terms of the stake that we hold in the system and we use that bandwidth to um, transfer value, right? And that's something that the rest of the blockchain system can't do. Um, this idea that we've got HBD, HBD is incredibly powerful. You can earn it non-KYC through blogging and then you can spend it. It's a stable store of value and you can get APR on it. And then hopefully in the near future, in the next couple of years, probably we'll have a bonding system on it. So you can use that as collateral to get loans. That's a whole new world. Um, paying invoices with, paying Bitcoin invoices with stablecoin APR. Sorry. So again, paying invoices with um, high APR stablecoins is another narrative. So these are all narratives. And I guess, I think Dan just said uh, earlier, like, we can't, we can't force the community to a narrative. Um, the community's kind of got a... Someone's got to build this and, and people have got to get behind it. And I think that's one of the problems that I've suffered from ultimately um, is that there isn't one person behind it that's kind of pushing the narrative. And you know, I'd like to think that the community doesn't get behind one person because it's the reason that Hive's so powerful is because there's so many different viewpoints and so many clashing viewpoints and it, it causes uh, a lack of incentive to, to um, collaborate. And so the chain remains decentralized. But that's the, you know the result is that we're not very quick to jump on narratives that are starting to trend. Um, I don't know exactly what we do about that, but I think that's I think that's become very clear from this conversation that we're not great at jumping on narratives, and it's because of the decentralized nature of the ecosystem. So ultimately, I think that means there's a big prize up for grabs because it means the person that manages to build the narrative on Hive and jump on the one that sends it into the stratosphere in terms of ut- utility and usability and everything like that is going to the rewards are great because the reputation gain is going to be fantastic so i think ultimately we've got to build our own narratives we've got to decide where we're going to put our resources and what we're going to do and how we're going to build things for ourselves and then whichever one of those narrative is narratives is the one that clicks and, and, and goes goes viral is you know you're going to get a lot of reputation credit on hive for, for being able to do that and yeah, I don't think we're going to get to one narrative on Hive as a community. I think we've just got to do our best to perceive Hive in our own individual ways 
and do our best to build our own narratives. And some of those narratives are going to click with people, some of them won't. You're going to get support from a lot of people depending on how you build that narrative. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to, let's have a narrative competition and see which one wins, I guess. Or, or maybe each work group work on their narrative and as a collective, you know, you're going to have passions in work groups, right? Sure. Uh, be, and, and like you said, it's the community. And that's what's really hard about this whole thing about trying to pick one is because you're not centralized. You're truly decentralized, right? And so each work group just goes down the rabbit hole on the narrative because that's what they'll do, right? And we celebrate that instead of trying to pick one, right? Eventually something will bubble up or a few will bubble up. And like you said, maybe one, maybe two, three go virals. Um, but yeah, I, maybe maybe my thoughts are, are changing. Thank you. Yep. All right. So that's all I got for the show. Uh, thanks all for attending. Let's uh, go away and think about narratives, I guess, and we'll keep in touch. Let's use the hashtag narrative and put some more thoughts on it. All right. Speak to you all next week. Thank you. Thanks for the attendees and everyone listening. Appreciate it. Later. Laters.